Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Brian Hoyland. Correct. I say it right? Okay. I have trouble it. saying people's names. So, um, how old were you? How old were you when you had your near-death experience, Brian? Well, it was um, in 2017, so about five years ago. Um, so I'm, I'm 47, 42. Was about I was 42, or I think it was 42. Almost going to be 43 sooner. So about that age. Okay, you can start wherever you I'm like. Five. Okay, um, you know it. It all started. I had. Uh, I, I really didn't see it coming. On October 26th, my medical condition started happening. I, I went into a sudden cardiac arrest. And, and to make a long story short, I survived that one. And I ended up having a few months of in and out of the hospital, a lot of ambulance rides. But they weren't really sure what was happening with my heart, but it was decompensating very quickly. And then on uh, January 15th, I went into another heart failure event. And this one, I, it, it was a little different. They had put in defibrillators for me to, to try to shock my heart out of it. And so I was being shocked quite regularly. Um, but this one, it wasn't shocking me. And I, I was staying at a very high rate of, of heart rate, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't coming down. And then I didn't have the help from the defibrillator. So it, that also wasn't helping. So I ended up calling the ambulance. They came and they rushed me to the emergency room where I spent about seven hours where they were trying to stabilize me, trying to get me, you know, where they could bring me to the ICU and, and you know, continue care there. But they really had to stabilize me first. And finally, they, they were able to stabilize me enough that they could move me to the ICU. And as soon as they got me into the ICU bed, I started going back into really serious uh, heart arrhythmias. And that's when they, they rushed into the room. They, it was about 30 people started flooding into this room. And, and the, you know, they brought in a crash cart and they were calling code blue and some other things. And so it was, it was I knew it was getting bad. Kind of, I describe it as being like, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, when they have that dark woods and all those flying monkeys come in. You know, not that I'm calling my doctors and nurses flying monkeys, but it, it felt like that to me, like they were pulling me all over the place. And, you know, it was it was chaotic. It was really a terrifying thing. And then they had to strap me down because they end up having to shock me quite a few times. So but there's this whole time, you know, I'm it was I was under an incredible pain and just I was really struggling to breathe, to to do really anything. But I, I did have a, a crucifix on the wall of the hospital. And that was really the only place I could look. Thankfully, that was there because it kind of kept me focused, you know, and all this other stuff going on around me. But, but uh, you know, they started to ask me questions that they already knew. Things like, what's my name, my address, you know, how many kids do I have, those kinds of things. And I knew that they were doing that just to kind of keep me with them, keep me in, in the moment and, you know, not drift off. But I finally, I told him, I said, you know, I don't want to talk anymore. I, I was, I made my piece. I had seven hours to, you know, to really be ready for this. I, I knew it was different this time. So I knew I was not going to make it. And, you know, I just, I, I felt that peace at this point. I was like, I'm, I'm done fighting. I'm, I'm ready to, to just let whatever happens happens. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to talk anymore. And I just closed my eyes and started trying to pray. And, 
you know, it was super loud and I felt a few more shocks and then this incredible shake and kind of a rattle or a pop. And I just was out of my body. And the coolest part for me was I never lost conscious thought. So I went from, you know, previously seeing all the things that were happening before I died to the very moment of my death and then seeing the, the next step in the process. And I, th- I, you know, I'm a psychotherapist, so I was really amazed at that. It was something I had never put a lot of faith into. I didn't believe that, you know, it was that people were having near-death experiences and coming back. I always thought it was, you know, a rush of neurotransmitters. And clearly that wasn't the case because my, my cognitive abilities only improved after dying. They got better. And, but it was, it was really interesting to go from this chaotic scene where there was so many noises and so much just terror, terrorizing chaos to just peace. And, and it was in an instant. So that, that shake and that, that pop that I felt that hurt, but it was over so quickly. And then I just was filled with joy and love. And, you know, I, 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 I don't even think I can put words to how incredible just that feeling was, let alone then I'm, I'm looking off into this, this dark void. And, you know, I, I was looking at, I said, wow, this can't be it. I it kind of felt like I would have, if I would have not recognized what was behind me, because I had a light behind me, but it was clearly shining into the dark void because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to see it. it you know, it, so I, I didn't realize at first that I had an improved ability in my vision. So I was able to see all around me and all at once. It wasn't, I wasn't limited in any way on, on those kinds of abilities. And that part was pretty cool. And I, I, you know, I'll probably share that a little bit more as we go, but yeah, but that, that dark void, you know, it, it that feeling that I got felt kind of like I could have stayed where I was, you know, or I could have moved into that dark void or recognized the light and turned around and, you know, gone that direction. I didn't feel like I was forced to do anything. It it felt like I had free choice. And, you know, I, I don't know what was in that dark void. I didn't go that way. Um, So I can't, I can only speculate, but, but I did see that light and that's the direction I chose to go. And so, you know, once I realized, okay, I'm, I can see this and I started wanting to go that way I was there just like that but it was cool because not only did I get there what I thought was like no time at all it I could remember every step I took in order to get there so it was it, it was like it, it's still kind of complex to even think about because you know we're so stuck in a time in, in, a, in a concept of time where there it I I couldn't make heads or tail of time it didn't didn't make any sense to me and so that was a really cool experience to be able to have such a a huge memory with just a short span of time you know to be able to have because those steps I mean it was incredibly far my vision had grown to where I could I could see endlessly it wasn't like I had some limitations to that yeah we don't have physical eyes and to describe these things it's like (laughs) what am I talking about I didn't have eyes but yeah I saw this or you know Heard. Yes. Yeah. It, it's the craziest thing. Cause like, even with the steps, you know, I, I don't recall seeing feet cause I didn't look at my, my body and I kind of wish I would have, you know, to see what I would have had, but I felt like I had some kind of containment around me, but 
not that I was contained. So I, it's hard to say, but I didn't see any limbs or anything physical like that on me, but I also wasn't looking, but it, it felt much different than my physical body that I left behind. And, you know, not just not having the pain, it just felt different altogether. But the vision, like, you know, it's, it's, we're not limited by, by physical attributes there. And, and to even try to explain, I, I have, have it in my mind, but I, I can't get it out because there's really no vocabulary. I understand. Like <laughs> Yours is fairly so, fresh. I mean, just a few years. I mean, that's still yeah. fresh to try to find words. And yeah, that, you know, that's a really good point because it's, you know, the more I, I talk about it or the more I try to, to even think about it, because I, I think about it quite regularly. I start to get a little bit better of an understanding, but still, I'm I, like you said, it's still so fresh that I'm just trying to I'm just trying to do the best I can to describe this because it's it is quite overwhelming. Have you wrote it down? Yes, I, I ended up writing a book because you know I had a journal as I was going through all, all of my medical issues, and um, you know I thought because I ended up having a heart transplant, and I thought you know there's no guarantee that I'm going to live through this, but I felt better after the transplant. So I thought, well, I better get it down just for posterity, just yeah. to get it out. And so then it ended up working out and I got it published. So that, What's that, it called? that was kind of, it's called from sudden death to paradise and it's a near death experience. Okay. So I use the pseudonym though, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to try to take credit for myself, you know, cause this is something that I, I just, I can't, I, you know, I, Basically, I was a secretary, so I, I kind of wrote it down. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I, I, I really chose a name that I thought was kind of special to me. So that's what I decided to do and, and kind of keep it, keep the, the limelight off of me and keep myself just focused on what I, what I experienced. And, now, but, you had uh, worked yeah, in the was, VA also, and you're yeah. a psychotherapist, mm -hmm. right? Right, yeah. And I think you worked in corrections as well? Correct. Yep. Were you, were you a counselor, correctional counselor? Yeah, I, I ended up taking a position there as a clinical supervisor. So I uh, was running a program out of the for for therapy for the inmates. Okay. I used to be a correctional counselor. Oh, okay. Women's Maximum in West Virginia. Oh yeah. So, so you know what it's like then. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> now your experience. Would you say you were in the tunnel? What? You've heard people describe yep. the tunnel. Yep. That, that you is say you're I, contained in a space. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of felt with the containment of space, just like my, my soul or my essence, you know, my, my being, but I, I, I can't say that I had like any kind of actual containment, you know, like a physical uh, orb or anything like that. I, I, I don't know what that was, but as far as the tunnel, that is what I, I came when I opened my eyes, that's where I was. That's the first place I came into was this tunnel. And the one end had that, had a dark void. That's kind of where I was at. And then the other end had the light. And that's where I, I decided to walk through this tunnel to go towards that light. So you were walking, I went flying, like shot like a rocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it was too. I, I, I had the memory of all my steps, but it was like, like you said, like a rocket, like I've never even thought of anything moving up. And I, I was in the military. I've, I've been on some fast moving, fast moving vehicles and that it was nothing. <laughs> it was, you know, jets, they're nothing like, like this. I mean, this was, 
was there sound you know i didn't have a lot of sounds in fact you know it was complete silence for me that um you know even talking you know it was in my head it wasn't audible and you know i'm not really sure why that was i i i've been trying to really rack my brain about why i didn't have have that sound and you know i kind of have rested on the idea that that god probably did me a favor because i i was so upset with the trauma and the just the chaos i heard in the in the hospital room that maybe he turned it off for me but maybe he's telling me to shut up and listen a little bit more too because you know i had a bit of a talking habit before all this <laughs> did you have <laughs> visions of of like uh Anything open or, up that you saw that was outside of what you was actually there? You know, there were a lot of things that I was seeing, like particularly like events from the past. But everything, like I, I had full ability to see everything that was that had ever happened, as far as as far as I'm I'm able to to recollect. I just can't remember anything that I didn't specifically focus on. So. If I wasn't thinking about my particular, like, a, you know, a lot of the things I saw with my own sins and different things that I had done to people and things I hadn't done that I should have that, you know, affected people in a, in a negative way. And I, so I was really seeing a lot of that, but, but like what I, I kind of have been thinking about how to explain this, but time didn't seem like it was, you know, how we always think of time as this, this linear thing, just kind of going along a line and, you know, Sometimes we can think that like heaven might be, you know, oh, we can also see sideways, but it, it was so much different. It was like all of time was like this all the time, but not chaotic. You know, when I do this, I think it's chaotic just watching my arms go like that. But it was like everything that has ever happened was all right there if you chose to, to, to focus on it. And, you know, I, I kind of wish I would have focused on a few other things, but I'm not sure that that was was really what was intended for me because I, I honestly believe God had a plan for me to come back. And, you know, so I, but it, it was amazing to be able to have all of that there and, and to be able to, to just feel like this rush of, of knowledge and, and wisdom. And I mean, just everything that was pouring into my head, that's what really got me to realize that this isn't just a, a, a rush of neurochemicals because neurochemicals doesn't make you smarter, you know, and it certainly doesn't cut it off when you come back, you know, because otherwise we'd be, we'd be trying to, to pump people's head full of those neurochemicals all the time to make them smarter. I mean, this was my, my ability to think was so far beyond where it's at, you know, now or ever has been. And, and it was just like that, that it was able to, you know, to, to all of a sudden I opened things up. It was crazy. It sounds like you weren't just sticking your toe in the water, you know, of time. You just like dove in and right? you're in. The yeah, I was, I was submerged into it. <laughs> yeah. It, and, you know, it, like my, my vision was really cool because when I got to the light, you know, I, I, I at first thought that this, this light was probably God because I could feel like love coming off of it, emanating off of it. And it was, it was like palpable it was coming into my into my whole being and you know kind of felt like i was you know like a straw you know you, the liquid will go into the straw and then it'll come out the you know the other end into us but but it goes through and there's you know it just keeps coming and 
it just kept circulating around. That's kind of how God's love felt is like it never was empty or depleted from him, but filling into me constantly. But I'm also, I'm not sure that, that, that I would be comfortable saying that that was actually God. I think that it was just his love was emanating. And I'm not really sure where exactly he was because I didn't see like a face or a body or anything like that. It was just this endless light. And I mean, I could look in either direction, up or down, and I couldn't see to the end of it. And my eyes kept feeling like they were growing as far as the distance. Like I, I could watch myself, my eye, my vision continually move further and further away from me. And I really felt like I'll never see the end of this light. It was just that immense. It made the, the dark void look small and insignificant. And, you know, I thought that was bigger than what I had seen of pictures of outer space. So I, I hope that gives you an idea of just how immense this light was. It was yeah. just I was in that light. Oh, so you know then. Mm -hmm. it, when I was and, 25. And like huh? Wow, that's cool. It feel, it's love, right? That's it wasn't for me because I had three little boys at home to raise and I wasn't going to stay. And I was told it was my time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but, but I went through the, the dim tunnel and it was like, shh, like it was, I had a loud, like speed, like a, when you hear a rocket take off on TV, mm -hmm. a pressure building. Yeah. And, and then that, that's what I felt. And then all of a sudden it stopped. Like I went from this dim fast speed, this loud Russian noise. And there was this like a, I say like a, um, like there was a ring around it. Cause there's like a, like I was hitting speed bumps. Like yeah. there was like a knock every so often. It made me feel like I was going through galaxy and galaxy. Like give me the impression of going further and further away. And then all of a sudden I looked down and I completely stopped and I'm in this bright white light. And I looked down and there was, I didn't see me. I could look 360, you know, and it was like, yeah. and if I say, if it was a room, it would be the walls, the ceiling floor, but also in the middle was white. Like I was yeah. in contained light, but I didn't yeah. experience like you, like could see further on. It was, I felt like I was in something. Contained. Like you were in, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's what God, what God said to me was, you know, that it, cause I was just staring at this light and I, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this doesn't hurt my eyes. Cause it was brighter than anything I'd ever seen before. Right. And that's when I heard God say, if you want, come on in. And so I stepped into the light. Did you hear that in, in here telepathic or yep. audible voice? Okay. Yeah, in my head. Yeah. I, I didn't have anything that I could hear. At least I didn't think I could hear audibly. So I'm, I'm very comfortable saying I didn't have that hearing audibly. I didn't hear music or anything like that either, but that voice was very clear in my head. And it was, it, it was, it was so powerful and yet loving and, and kind. Yes. I, I, I wasn't afraid at all. And I think typically that, you know, something popped in my head, I would definitely have been terrified, you know, but yeah, that was, it was just, it was so soothing. And so I stepped into the light and the more I was in that light, I could just feel that love and that joy all just permeating into me. And so I'm walking through this light and I'm not sure how long I was, I was walking, but then I started to have the thought that I wanted to see Jesus. And that's when it opened up to me. And it was like the, the whole, like a, like a room, like a chamber or a big, a huge room, but it was all encapsulated in that light. And so then there was like a, like a weird kind of greenish 
pinkish, but I'm not, not colors that I have ever seen before, but that's kind of the spectrum that they were on, but they were vibrant and it was like the atmosphere. It looked like it was what we would breathe if we were breathing air. It, it just felt like that was connecting everything in this, in this big room of light. And there were a ton of beings in this room and they all kind of looked like, you know, when you look under a microscope and you, you look at like an amoeba or something, it's got all those little moving parts. It, it kind of had a, it had a torso of a human torso, but it was just sparkling lights that were moving kind of like that, but breathtaking lights. And it, they, they look like dimmer lights of, of that bright light. Like it was almost like everything was reflecting in and then bouncing off like that love that I, I was feeling coming into me was also going into all those beings and then also shooting back out. It was like, it was just never, never stopping. It was just constantly moving and fluid. And, but then there was clearly the, the one being that I was fixated on and that, that I knew it was Jesus. I didn't have to have him even introduce himself. And I just said, Jesus, I want to see your face. And at that moment, his face came together. And so did everybody else that was in that room. And what was really amazing, I should, before I talk about Jesus, I, I should say how my eyes, it, it was just amazing to be able to see all the people that were in there. Because you could, I could see behind people. I could see, I mean, there was nothing that, I mean, it, we have limitations because, you know, if there's a table in my way, I can't see past it. That's not the case. I can see the whole table there, but I could also see behind it if there, you know, there wasn't a table, but there were people there. I could see every single person without having any kind of impediment in my, in my vision. And I, I don't know if that's just the vision or if it's just because you're not limited in, in any of your sensory, we might have more senses. Were they interacting with each other or was they just quiet watching you? They, they, well, there was an interaction of, of all, but it was very much focused on me. Like I really felt like everybody was receiving me. Like they were all happy to see me. And, you know, I, I didn't focus on any individual. So I kind of felt like some of my family was there, but I really wish that I would have maybe took a little bit more time to do that. Cause you know, if I had family members like, well, what was grandma there? And was so-and-so, you know, I, I can't say because I didn't focus, but I, I think for, you know, I think I saw them, but it's like, you know, what do I, what do I know? I can't, I can't recall it. So I, I, I can't, you know, accurately say that. But when Jesus's face came in, because I, I was just so fixated on him and there was just something about his love that there was no judgment to me. And yet, you know, I, I was pretty much judging myself this whole time. I'm reviewing all these sins that I had and I'm going through them and I, I, I I'm seeing him smile at me but what was really bizarre about this is his face to me I can only remember light and it was the exact same light as as the light that had surrounded everything it was just the brightest thing I've ever seen but I know when I was there I was seeing his actual face because I could see him smile and yet I can't I I, I can remember that I wasn't able to lay down that memory even then so that was so, you know, the other things that I was remembering, I could remember them then. So I didn't think I'd have to try to focus on it to, to be able to take it back with me. But Jesus, for some reason, he wasn't letting me see his actual face. And, you know, I, I don't know how to really take that. I kind of have thought, well, it's probably a privilege. Heart... I mean, because yeah, you that's... weren't gone yet, really. I mean, 
Yeah, totally. I still have life to go, to go. Right. That's what I think too. I, I think that it's just that, you know, how could how, I'm, I, I struggle to be away from him and that, that love even now, I can't imagine if I would have saw his face. I think maybe my heart See, wouldn't have ever come back. They're designed just for us what we need. And I don't think we're given yeah. more than we can take. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that because it's everybody always says, well, did you ask this question? Did you ask that? I'm like, I didn't need to. You know, there's a lot of questions as I sit here now that I would love to have asked. But when I was there, everything that I needed, I didn't need to know what direction to go. I didn't need to have anybody introduce me. It was like everything was at home. Like I knew everything no. without even knowing. Yeah, it was it was just it was a fit. You know, it's like when you know you're in the right place, you, you just feel comfortable. And yeah. and it was beyond comfort. It was it was like that's where I was meant to be from the very beginning. And, and that's, to me, that, that was the most breathtaking thing that, you know, it's like everybody's always wanting to know all these other questions. Like, but did you hear what I just said? You know, you're meant to be there. And, and all the things that I had ever done in my entire life, he, he looked at me and he still loved me. You know, he, he still was accepting of me. He didn't like what I did, but he knew I didn't like it either. So, I mean, that's, that's clearly what it is. You know, there's so much forgiveness. And did that coincide with the memories and, and him seeing him and knowing what he liked and what didn't like, or or was that separate? No, they were, they were all, that was all concurrent. And yeah, especially with the the things that really got me because I was, you know, I had seven hours to sit there and and ask for forgiveness of every sin I could possibly think of. Seven hours. yeah, when I was in the emergency room. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, prior to dying. Okay. So, I, you know, when I, because I was sitting there, you know, having them work on me, I, I was thinking of everything I could possibly think of because I, I knew I was going to die. So it was, it was, you know, a good opportunity for me to be able to, you know, to, yeah. to ask for forgiveness. And, but so I was really serious about it. But I also think that, you know, when I was there, what, what, what really got me was not the big sins that I had done. You know, it was the little things sometimes, you know, not sticking up for somebody when I should have, you know, or saying something mean when I didn't need to. Some of those kinds of things, they really hurt me because I could see how that affected God and that person. I, and, and it's really bizarre to think that we have that much of an impact on other people, but we really do. It's, and it's, you know, those things are long lasting. And so those, those really hurt me. And I, I could feel that pain. And that was the only time I had any kind of discomfort, but yet at the same time, it was being healed because he was smiling at me the whole time, just constantly radiating love to me. And it was like, those sins were just being forgiven instantly, although they'd already been forgiven. So it was, he was releasing it from me, like taking that pressure off of me. And that just felt good. I, I, I mean, we often hold on to these things for years and, and those, those are the things I think can really, can really bring down a person's soul and, and hurt us. And he just freed me from it. So that was really cool. But I, as I was sitting there and after we got through with all of my, my different sins that I had done, you know, I, I said, don't you remember when I was, you know, I was six years old and I prayed to him and that was like the first real prayer that I, I knew was answered. And because I was just six, but I had just gotten done with my great grandma's funeral. And I saw my aunts and everybody that I love crying. And, 
you know, she was a really beloved person in our family. And so I, I prayed to God that night. I'm like, don't let me die young. I don't want everybody to cry like that over me. And, you know, and I felt like he answered it. Cause I mean, I prayed for quite a while about this one and I was really serious and heartfelt. And it was the coolest thing to have him recognize that and say, yes, I remember that moment. And I granted it and it's still there today. It, it was just like this intimacy that we have had my whole life that often I, I shut him out. You know, he never was turned off for me. He was always there. But, you know, that intimacy, I, I could feel that because it was that a little bit of that touch of love touched me that that day when I was a little kid, you know, when I when I was praying and to, to be able to feel it constantly there. It, it was so amazing. And so, I, you know, he, he gave me the opportunity of to, to come back or to stay there. And, you know, it was really hard for me to think of reasons to come back. I I had my family and I, I knew I wanted to come back for them, but it wasn't like he, he didn't let me get off that easy with it. And he, he said to me, you know, I take care of your family just like I do you. I love them just as much as, as I love you. And I realized at that moment, he loves them more than I do, which really blew me away because I thought I, nobody could love my kids more than me, you know, and love my wife more than I do. It's it just, it, it blew me away that he did. And I, I thought, wow. And so then I kept thinking of reasons that I, I would come back. And the only thing that that really got me is that I had more to do for him. And that included my family because I have to share his love with them. And so, you know, that's how he got me to realize the importance of, of coming back from my family and coming back to the world. It, it had to be about something more than, than just my own desires. And I think he really opened me up to that, that, that it was, it was about this interconnectedness with him and everything else that he's created. And so that, you know, once that happened, I, and, and there were other people that were saying, you know, we left this family and we, I left this family and I know what you're feeling and I understand, but everybody assured me that God's got it all under control and that everything works out. So I, I was really feeling comfortable. And so I, I ended up making that decision and you know, God told me that I needed to pray more and that I needed to be able to suffer joyfully. And I should have asked him about what that meant, but I didn't. And I'm, I've learned that along the way now. I think I'm still getting lessons on, you know, how to do it. Suffer it's, joyfully. It's, yeah, it's not really the easiest thing. And, but, but uh, he, uh, <laughs> he also wanted me to share his love. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a struggle too, because I don't, I know I'll never be as good at it as he is, but you know, it's, it's sometimes even in our crazy world, it's hard to find opportunities because people are, are often angry and, you know, you, you try to do something nice for somebody and sometimes it's, you know, thrown in your face. And, but I, I, I don't give up, you know, it's, there's a, there's a courage now that, that he's imparted into me that I, I feel very confident doing those, those things, but the, the suffering joyfully was, was tricky, you know, and it's, and still can be at times because, you know, I have a lot of medical issues that I still have to deal with. And so it's, you know, but it's, I, I, I think that what he has done is he's helped me to realize that he sustains us and, you know, he gives us strength. I, like today I, I had a whole bunch of appointments and had to, I'm, I was really tired before, before doing this interview. And I just said a quick prayer, God, give me the strength to do it. And I don't think I look all that tired. And, you know, it's like, he, he does, he'll give you a switch and, 
Now you have a new heart, right? Yes, I do. Yep. I got that two years ago, well, 2019. And is your health issues related from the military? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, the chemicals I or something? Yep. I got exposed to toxic chemicals and I've developed autoimmune diseases because of that. And so with that, it's attacked all my organs and it devastated my heart. It's my liver. Your I'm, new uh, heart? I'm, no, no. My old, it's, oh, okay. it's started to creep back in a little bit to my new heart, but they said that it okay. doesn't look like it's leaving scar damage or anything okay. like that. So it, it seems like it's, it's just irritating me, not, not causing the kind of damage it had before. So that's really good. And then my liver, it was, I had to go see the transplant team about that too. And then all of a sudden it, it you know, afterwards it's, it's now starting to improve too. So I, you know, I, I think that there's been some massive healing within me and, you know, the doctors are pretty baffled. I mean, I'll send you a picture of my heart so you can see what it looks like, but they were pointing out, you know, your heart shouldn't have functioned because this part here and this part here and this part here, they're totally destroyed. I mean, it's, it looks like beef jerky, really. So it didn't even look like a heart. And that was kind of amazing. But, you know, you know how doctors are. They're like, well, this is a, a medical miracle. I said, yeah, not a medical miracle. I know what kind of miracle this is. <laughs> you know, so, but it was cool because I lived with this heart for two years before I was getting a heart transplant. And, you know, that that to me was just so amazing to to have him keep me going for that long of a time with a heart that shouldn't have functioned. Now, did you flatline during your near-death yep. experience? Yep, I was, I was dead for 10, over 10 minutes, but just a, just a little over 10 minutes. And, wow. you know, they, they were really concerned because of how long I was, I was gone for that I would have cognitive issues and I had no cognitive issues. I, I was spared of that. And, you know, it was, it was just amazing all around. And I, I was out of the hospital in five days. So, I mean, it was, it was just amazing how and, and even after after I came back they had to put a, a new defibrillator and pacemaker in because the other one ended up getting recalled so they had to take that one out but they put this other one in and I had to do it without any medication or anesthesia because I you know I had just died so they rushed me right to the the operating room and I barely felt a thing because the ecstasy that I had felt the love it just permeated with me the whole week that I was in there, but it was so powerful that you know, the doctor was cutting into me and I felt a pinch when he, when he made the incision, but nothing more. And I, I, I can only say that's because of how wonderful I was feeling from my experience. It's like, that, like you can't just turn off God's love like that. It's, it's, it's permeates your soul and it's, it, it sticks to you, you know, and only through my own, distractions and allowing distractions of life does that sort of dissipate you know and but it I was think, it, I think like the light must stay with us after NDE for a while and it seems like if you have like two percent of survival or whatever you know you're always like throw that away because if you had a near-death experience you've got some kind of light in you and it's healing you and you're going to beat the statistics yeah I, I agree, I, especially because every time I, I was tired of going to the doctors and, you know, having them say, well, you know, we can't, we don't think you're going to make it this far. And then they'd be like, well, we had to throw everything out. You broke all of our, our yeah. records. You know, we, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen with you. And cause it's, it, it is, you're right. It's like 
to, especially with our faith in it, you know, that's, because I, I, I think it's open to everybody, that same connection, because I, I can tell there are certain times that I'm, I'm more, more deep into my prayer, and I get a lot closer to God. And then there's other times that I, I'm not doing a great prayer, and, and I don't get that close. And I know that's my own fault, because I have distractions. But I, I think every human being can get that same closeness. But it's, it's just we have to get past our own mental roadblocks. And but it's, it does, it stays with you. Cause I, even if I think about my experience, I, I kind of smile and laugh because it just fills me with joy. And, you know, just to, to think about him, him standing there looking at me, it's just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I feel down, that's what I do. I just, I just think of him looking yeah. at me. And that euphoria, I think brings that light back in and it's healing all over again. Because I, the first time I told my NDE, I was like floating. I was, yeah. I felt I was levitating and it lasted all day. And I was like addicted. Yeah. Like I want more yeah. of that. Maybe that's, I've never been drug addicted, but maybe that's what drug addicted people feel because it's, like, I want more of that, feel- you know? And the more yeah. I talk about my NDE or like talking to you or, you know, so I'm doing this podcast is cause like, there it is, there it is. You know, <laughs> I, I can yeah, feel it. I can see it. it. I can touch it again. And, and I, and I'll be hyped up all day long, you know, again. I, I I'm with you. I, I feel like that's exact. And that's, I think that's the beauty of God is that he can touch us in so many ways if we just let him. And, you know, I didn't really have a choice in this one. I, you know, I had no option but to die, but I, I honestly, I look at it and say, wow, all the things I've gone through, people are kind of, they think I'm strange sometimes, but I'm like, I'm happy this all happened to me. You know, I wasn't when it was all happening, but I am now because I got this experience that, that can never be taken from me. It's better than any memory I've ever had. All my other memories are dwarfed and feel like like nothing compared to this. And yet I, I get to carry this around my entire life. So whenever they, you know, they tell me, hey, you know what, we might have to have a liver transplant or we might have to have a kidney transplant. And hey, whatever, you know, it's it's up to God. And then, you know, sure enough, they'll call me back, and say, Well, you know, maybe we're gonna hold off a little bit on these things. And I'm like, yeah, he's got a plan, doesn't he? So it's it just you know, it, it increases our faith in such a way, you know, that it's just, it's breathtaking to, to even try to think about it. Sometimes it just, it just really chokes you up. And you being a psychotherapist, I mean, if crazy feels this good and makes us this, Bring it on. you know, happy and, and lovable to everybody else, how is it wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and crazy doesn't usually turn people into peaceful and peace-loving people it doesn't doesn't usually have those kind of results you know and where you want to to give more than you take and that's kind of you know it's it's had that impact on me where you know I was I I always thought I wasn't a selfish person but I look at how I was compared to where I want to be now I'm like I was selfish you know if, if it came down to me getting something or you getting something guess what I'm getting it and and I thought you know he changed me in so many ways that I really didn't even see coming. And there's no other explanation for that than the fact that God touched my soul and intimately did so because he's changed these things that I, I, you know, I just don't even want to, to, to do anything other than to make him happy. And, you know, that's, it's like, even, even my sorrow over sins, I'm not even sorry about what it's done to me or the effect that I've had in my own life and negative things that have come from it. It's, what I've done to him, because when I was looking at him, 
I realized he was the one hanging on the cross when I, and I was doing it, you know, every time he, he felt a pain, that was my, my issue. And I'm probably one of the worst sinners that there was. I, so I, I really felt that. And then he released it. It, it just was, it was the most healing thing I could ever imagine. If that's all he would have given me, I would have been so happy. But then he also imparted that, that just ecstasy that stays with you. You don't, maybe it's not to the same level, obviously, but there are times that he really tweaks it and just reminds me that he's there. And, and I just thank him for it because it's, it's so beautiful. I mean, he can really make a, a down day turn around just like that. So it's, it's just amazing. And, you know, when I, when I decided to leave too, I, that was the other time, you know, the, the only times I had pain was when I was viewing my own sins. It, you know, it hurt me, but as I was then having them released, I was instantly starting to, to, to unburden myself. But then when I decided to leave, I felt an uncomfortable pain throughout my whole body. And it was, I think the separation, you know, like I said, I didn't ask him because so, I was already going out now, but it felt like it was so hard to move. And I was in like concrete or something. And it was really thick and just, and it was excruciatingly painful. Every step I took got worse and worse, but there was something that was telling me you can't turn back. You have to go, you know, you made this choice and, you know, and part of me wanted to get back. I was so excited about what I had just seen. And, you know, I knew I was going back to this terrible body that was, you know, just writhing with pain, but I wasn't afraid this time, you know, I wasn't willing to give up. I had given up prior to dying, but now I, was, I had a new energy and I could see down that tunnel and now, instead of that dark void at the end, I could see my hospital room. And it kind of looked like, you know, I was looking, I, I was laying down on the bed, but it kind of looked like I was looking from over top of me, but almost as if it was coming through my eyes. But, you know, I was, my eyes were closed and they had a, a Lucas machine on me doing the CPR. And so that was kind of interesting to see that thing. But so I'm going down this, this tunnel and I could see where everybody was in the room and I ended up telling them all about it. So that was pretty interesting. You did right away. Yeah, it was really cool to have that confirmed, you know, that, okay, this wasn't just, you know, me having a, yes. a, an out-of-body experience or who knows what. I mean, I, you hear all these things, but it was, it was just amazing because, you know, I, I had so many doubts about these kinds of things beforehand because, you know, unless you have yeah. this experience, you know, you can't know for sure. And so, uh, you know, it was really amazing to have that, that, and I think that was just a gift that God gave me to let me see that, that room. So I could do that to, you know, my doubting mind and kind of, that's kind of one of the names I took for my pseudonym. I, I, I use T.S. Dismas, but the T stands for St. Thomas, you know, the doubting apostle. So I, because <laughs> I always had, you know, little things that would always make me question stuff and and now I don't have that question that, you know, probably because I have seen, but I, I just think that it was just so amazing. And when I popped back in, you know, they, they said I, I spontaneously recovered or revived. And I remember that, you know, they were pumping oxygen down into my lungs and they were you know doing all kinds of different things to me. And I just was like, ah, did I just die? That's the first thing I, I just got out of myself. And the doctor had to come closer. So I had to say it again, because he couldn't really understand what I was saying. And then at the second time, he's like, yeah, you just died. Look straight in the face. And he, he had this look on his face, like, 
oh, I'm so glad you came back. We did not want to lose a patient. So that was, it was really powerful. And, and then like the, the charge nurse, I was telling her all the stuff that she was doing. And, you know, I'm like, and you were yelling at that person and telling that person to go get this. And she's like, are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden, you know, all that whole week, nurses kept coming in and saying, can we talk to you? We heard you died. And, you know, so they've just, they just wanted to talk to me because, you know, got through the, the whole hospital. So that was just amazing. And, you know, to have people talking with me and, and, you know, to say, wow, you look so good for somebody who just died. And I'm still on the ICU. They were afraid to move me, but, you know, the ICU is a dangerous place. I mean, you hear code blues every time I've been there. I've heard code blues. There's people dying all the time. So they don't see people, you know, coming back like this. And, yes. you know, had you and, heard of near so, death experience before this? Yeah, like I'd you knew, of, you knew that's what it was you had. Oh yeah. I knew that was a near death that's experience. Awesome. I, yeah. That, that part I knew by, you know, like I said, I didn't believe in them. So I, I had a lot of sorries I had to say, you know, cause my <laughs> wife had believed in them and, you know, and I, you know, I was like, real dismissive I have to admit it I, you know I just without giving it any thought I just said no that can't be and it's I think it's like a lot of people do with things we can't see or can't prove right. we just say well until I have evidence and really there's no scientific instruments to measure God so how would we ever have evidence for him anyway other than people telling us what they've seen and you know it's up to us whether we want to discern whether they're telling the truth or not so was there so actual kind of, things you saw the doctors, nurses doing that you would have no way to know that you was able to tell them? Yeah, that that Lucas machine. They said that they ended up taking that off. They were, I, I don't know if they were going to stop CPR altogether or if they were planning to to try to do something different, but they had they said that they took that off. And that was they were taking it off as I was coming coming closer to my body. So they may have gotten some of my vitals that were popping back or you know, because they were monitoring to see if that was the case. And they did say that they take it off once they get your vitals. So that could be why. But the Lucas machine, they had completely had that out of the room. So when I had mentioned that, the nurse, that was the thing that convinced her even more than me telling her where she was and what people were doing. She's like, there's no way you could have seen that Lucas machine because she was standing right by me at that time. And, you know, she said, your eyes were completely closed. There was no way. So... I was, I was like, well, <laughs> I described it to her and everything. She's like, yeah, I can't believe you saw it. She, you know, I don't know that she was even a person of faith, you know, but because she was asking me a lot of questions more than, you know, real basic questions, but, you know, in depth as well. But it was, it, I think that she might not have had faith prior to that. Certainly, sure, she sure sure looks shocked to me. So it was, it was pretty amazing to have that too, so. Well, that's awesome that you was able to see things and verify it, but also that they saw that you were dead and that you were, it yeah. was 10 minutes. That was verified. Yep. That um, was, that was really incredible. You know, I, I kind of, when I had the heart transplant, you know, you know, they take your heart up. So I assumed that, you know, I would be dead or at least close to it. You know, I kept thinking, cause I was really afraid going into it. I was like, you know, I, I, if I die, I die. That's that part I wasn't afraid of, but it was having complications, you know, and continuing to, to be sick or whatever. But I, I thought, you know, God, if, if I get to see you again, it'll make whatever complications come out of this worth it. Cause I wasn't, I didn't really think I was going to die. Cause I, I couldn't believe God would let me come back and just to die again later, you know, just, 
I, I hadn't done anything yet. So I kind of think he had something for me to do. And, and obviously he wanted me to pray more and to suffer joyfully and to show his love. And I hadn't had a great opportunity at that point to do those things. But, uh, you know, I didn't get anything when I, when I had the heart transplant. So it was, you know, it was really interesting that it was to be able to have, you know, something so significant like that and had nothing, no memory whatsoever. I, I went out and I woke up just like any other kind of surgery. Yeah. I've and had surgeries. I've not had NDEs. I was, no, hit, yeah. I was hit by a car and knocked out, taken to the hospital. I don't remember. I didn't have any NDE. I had a drowning NDE when I was five and then the ectopic yeah. pregnancy at 25, but I didn't have, you know, I've had a lot of surgeries um, because of pregnancy loss, cesarean sections and whatever, yeah. but not, I didn't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's the thing that, you know, a lot of people misunderstand, you know, they think that you, you die. Well, I think it's like a dream or it's like a, a surgery or it's like any of the other times that we lose consciousness. And it's not, it's nothing like that because my consciousness expanded. And, you know, like I said, I remember the exact moment of my death. I remember the entire process of my death. And then I also remember everything in heaven and coming back. So to me, you know, to, to have that, that constant flow. And then, you know, when I came back, it felt like I had just went out at that moment and it also felt like I'd been gone for hours. So that's what I was going to ask make, you. How long did it feel like you were there? Yeah, I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. It was like my brain just could not grab the concept. Because I asked him, I was like, how long was I dead for? You know, and because I really was curious. I, I was like, was it a couple seconds or was it, you know, hours? And turned out it was 10 minutes. And but it was if it, it, it was I can't really describe that because there's, there's really no understanding unless you lost time. You know, if somebody threw you in a room for a year, you might not know, you know, extra seven months were added on or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. It, it was, it was just a complete loss of time. And to me, that was really incredible because I have this memory that I know was super long and yet it had to fit within 10 minutes worth of, of, you know, human time. So that part, I, I'm just, I'm blown away because, you know, I, I sinned quite a bit when I was younger and, you know, I had to go through a lot of stuff with God. So it was, you know, I was there for a while just doing that, let alone everything else. And so it was, it was amazing to think that that all happened within 10 earthly minutes. Yeah, I know with mine, it's like, I figured up later, it's like, okay, this happened, that happened. So it seemed like I was there about half hour, but realistically I couldn't have been out more than a minute because the nurse was pushing me down the hall to find a room. And when I came back, she was turned away from me talking to another nurse. So, cause I was up at the ceiling just for a second before I back in my body wow. and I seen him standing there talking facing each other and I'm slumped over. I seen the back of me slumped over and I seen that and I didn't talk about it for a long time. And somebody even asked me one time, was you just like straight back in your body? I was like, yeah, I was right back in that wheelchair. Because it was, that was the dramatic part, you know, to be in heaven, yeah. then what? I'm back? What the hell was that? Yeah. I was just in heaven accepting yeah. it. Now I'm back. And I had forgot. I didn't focus on that little tiny blip for between those two things, from being in heaven accepting it to being back. For a split second, it seemed like I was in the fluorescent light in the ceiling of the hospital looking down. So I was like high up, not way, way high, yeah. but, you know, kind of like, like ceiling high. 
looking down and yeah. something was saying, you got to get back in. And I was like, I don't know how to get back in. Just get back in. You know, this little dialogue yeah. was going on. Yep. But it was just yeah, like that. It was so quick. And isn't that the, the most amazing thing? How, how easily our bodies and our soul can conform together and, and go in and out. And, you know, and it's like you said, you didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it either. It's just, you just do it. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's, I, I didn't have to do really anything. It just, I had to actually take those steps and, but it was amazing. It just, it's, it's like you fit right in there. And, you know, we saw a while ago about when you, how you, you come back and you feel that light or when you remember, you feel that light. For me personally, I kind of lately been feeling like there's our soul us and then there's our mind us. And when we've had a near-death experience or out of body, something like that, with complete soul, regardless of yeah. our brain, we're complete soul. And so when we come back, we know that part of us that yeah. we weren't fully intact with in communication with before. We know that part. And so now and I think of that one song it says, then sings my soul, my savior, God, you know, great, how great thou art. Yeah, I know. That part when it says, then sings my soul. I feel like my spirit just leaves me when I hear those yeah. words, then sings my soul. Cause I just feel like some pouring out and, and that's yeah. what the spirit feels like, you know, yeah. and I, I equate it with like when you fall in love or when you first hold your newborn child, you know, those moments that is, we just leave out of our body. It's not, it's not a physical, it's a spiritual, you know? And, yeah. and so when you, we talk about our NDEs or when you pray or what you're talking about, when you get in remembering that it's like, we connect with that. So us again, and it's like, <laughs> it yeah. like vibrates yeah. and it's energy and it builds. And <laughs> I feel like, right. I, I feel like I just levitate right out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I've had, I don't have recurrent dreams, but I've one except for one. And that is recurring dream I've had over the years. I've had more and more lately, the same thing. And it's different scenarios of it, but ultimately ends up in, I am in a room and I'm running around a circle and I'm telling people, watch this. And I get going, get going. And then I go up to the ceiling and they're like, and I'm teaching how people how to do it. Yeah. And, and it dreams? makes me feel like that's kind of like what I'm doing this podcast, not physically, yeah. but like spiritually, like how you can yeah. get all wound up and just free out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, and, you know, something you said a little while ago is, you know, like our mind and our soul are kind of different. And, you know, th there's a there's a real truth to that. And I'm not sure where I'm, I'm going to, you know, end up falling on the spectrum at some point. But I know that that my soul has a greater impact on my ability to choose my behaviors than I ever previously gave it, you know? And because I think we often go through life just reacting to situations and that's why people fall into patterns and they can be very predictable on their behaviors, you know? And I, you know, I had my own sins that I, I fell into, you know, and I've, I found that now my soul is telling me and I can feel a different thought process that says that ain't right. Don't do it. Exactly. You got to step away from that. And I would never have done that before, particularly like, you know, people, people will say rude things. And before I would have came right, right. back with a, a comment and now it's like, you know, I don't even really care. I it's, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all, whether or not somebody has a thought about me that isn't correct. And, you know, it's almost like a multiple personality. Only we're yeah, controlling it. 
because yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've been learning more and more about mine and following it. Yeah. Then, because, you know, we say, like you said, well, go as part of our language, something told me. Right. We say that. Yep. And then we don't yeah, stop and do. think, what was that something? Yeah. Who was right. that something? Yeah. Because there's how a can I that... listen to that something more? Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I often think of those cartoons and we're, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, they got the devil on one side and they got the angel on the other and they're whispering, saying, hey, do this, don't do that. You know, it, it's not a clear, audible voice, but it's a voice nonetheless. And it's something more of like an inclination that, that, you know, your conscience is saying, hey, this isn't such a good thing. But often what I think people do is they start to find rationalizations. Well, this person did this to me, so I'm entitled to do this, or they should never have done that. And I, I'm going to show them. And, you know, we can come up with all kinds of reasons to justify our behavior. And at the end of the day, we have to say, no, this, this angel over here is saying, here's the moral line. Don't cross it, no matter what anyone else does. And what I've found is when I stay on the, the moral side of the line, I'm happy. I mean, I'm right. filled with joy. Yeah, and, and I'm that revenge is overrated because that oh, doesn't yeah. feel good at all. No, no, that's what was Jesus was releasing from me was, you know, not just my pain that I felt, but the pain that I caused other people. And sometimes I didn't recognize it, you know, like I said, but I definitely recognized it quite a few times, you know, because I intentionally did things. And wow, what a release that was. Even the ones that I thought I was totally right, totally justified on. Yeah. I saw the negative side of that even, and that was just overwhelming, but yet freeing. So I'm never going back to that again, because I can tell that that, that conscience part, you know, whether it's my guardian angel constantly poking me, it's something that's helping me to make the right decisions. Nice. And that keeps me in peace and keeps me in joy. And, you know, I, I love living this way. It's, it's so much, so much better just for me, let alone for the whole world and everyone else who comes in contact with me. It gives us a moral compass. Yes, it does. And in this world, we really do need one. It's, you know, we, we can see how unhappy everyone is. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's because of that selfishness. When we stop to care about what's happening to somebody else, and we only go for what's for us, that's not the way we're meant to be. Our soul isn't designed that way. So, you know, when we go to heaven, it's a, it's a community, a real community where everybody's connected with God. So when you hurt somebody, you're hurting God. And when, when you hurt God, you're hurting all those other people that are there. You know, so we got loved ones up there. Think about that. Whenever we hurt somebody down here, it's hurting God. And the person who we love is also feeling that. It's, it's a really deep connection. And in the ear said the other day during her experience, it was like a strainer. Like her soul was like going through a strainer, like all the bad things was being solid. And the, the good was coming through. And it yeah. made me think of good analogy. During my NDE, I was, you know, you probably heard of life review. And I didn't have a life review like God showed me. I had a life review. I was showing God. I was showing him all the reasons why my kids aren't safe on earth without me, that I had to yeah. go back to take care of them. And so I'm telling him every abuse I encountered through my childhood. And I'm yelling and it just like a record sped up real fast. It come out real fast. And then it come out like this clear vomit, but like in this white space, it disappeared. And it made me feel like nothing dirty can be here. Yeah. Yeah. And when yeah. she said that about the strainer, I thought about that. 
And, you know, we talk about, you know, some people go for a hell, go to hell for a while, and then God reaches hand or Jesus or whoever reaches down their hand and saves them. And it feels like maybe they had to go to get punished to be clean. You know, we're yeah. going to get like recycled how we each yep. need to get recycled. Like yours was some things felt really bad. Yeah. And, you know, for yeah. you, that was enough. And for somebody else, it might be hell or it might, it might be, be feel a like more. a strainer or or whatever, because I just feel like heaven is this home God for made, made for all of us. And there's not going to be anything bad there. Yeah, there's not going to be people I, I, bad and mean people. We're going to have so, to get cleansed and whatever it's going to take yeah. to cleanse us, to be in that beautiful. And I think the white light has something to do with that. I could be wrong. It's just I, a hunch it, that that no, white light like is like a magnifying glass on us and yeah. looking at us and seeing what needs fixed and how we're going to fix this yeah because when i was in that white light you know that movie shawshank redemption i i felt like that tunnel you know that that tube that he was in that sewer drain i thought that was the most foul disgusting thing i could ever imagine in a movie you know like somebody actually went through that that'd be horrible right and yet i was thinking i, I was like i would have stayed in that tunnel or in, in that tube that he was in, if I could just feel God's love. If I would have felt that, I'd stay in eternity in a sewer drain. I wouldn't have cared because of how much he loved me. And as I was going through that light, it was like he was pushing all this negativity out of me. There was, there was nothing that was able to stay. Only his love remained. And that's, that's such a purifying effect. And I, I agree. I think that we have to have this purification. Now, I don't I don't know. I, I really felt like heaven was so much beyond what I saw. Like there was right. just so much more. Like I was getting like a little glimpse of maybe an entry room or a, a uh -huh. reading room or something. But I, uh, you know, I can't say for sure that that I would have been able to take that next step without some purification because, you know, I came back and I still did some things that I'm not proud of. It's like, wow, I, I went to heaven and, you know, I still was mean to somebody. How How is that possible? And you know, I still have a human body. I still have human desires and, you know, and habits. Yep. It does happen. And no it's, habits. it's a learning. Oh, habits. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is that, that mind part of us, you know, all that, that stuff that I've done for years. Well, it's hard to get that out of your mind and those habits, you just fall right back into things. And, you know, but it's, it's now I've got this other piece that's helping me combat that. And it's, it's a, it's an energized soul that isn't just being shut down or quieted because, well, that isn't good for me. I, I want to do what I like to do. So I'm going to keep my conscience quiet. Well, we can do that. We can definitely close our consciences down, but then we're going to be Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy. I mean, I don't want to go that end. So I, you know, it's like, we all realize we have to have some kind of morals, but if we give into it and we let God take control like that, our lives are so magnificently better. It's just, it's, it's foolish not to, not to just accept that grace, you know, and he so freely gives it. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday and someone was saying, well, you need to do her like she did to you. And I said, but then I would be like her. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, and I can't I, do I that. That's not an option no. to be like her. No. Yeah, you didn't like it. Why would you want to do that? I don't want to be I that per I would be that person. Exactly. Yeah. And it and and it's like it's it's sometimes it's baffling to to think about how I used to be. You know, I used to be like that. I used to say those same kinds of things. And you know, I I just don't know what it takes 
for people other than an NDE, I hope it's not that drastic for everyone. And I, and I, I know it can't be because I've seen other people who are beautiful people and don't have NDEs. But, you know, for me, it, it probably took an NDE to wake me up, you know, because, you know, I, I, I thought I was doing everything right. And it was all based on my own perception of what is right and wrong. And well, you know, these are what, gonna... like five, seven, ten percent of the population, even though that's millions of people, that's still a small amount of people that die and come back. Yeah, and I, really... I just have to I mean, I could be wrong, but I just have to believe that God knows because he knows everything yeah. that he knows yeah. who's going to tell. Who's yeah. going to be a witness and who's not. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really amazing when you look at those statistics, is, you know, I, being a, a guy who has, you know, I've got my master's degree in psychology. So I, I really like research and psychology. And, you know, I sure wish I would have looked at the data on this instead of dismissing near death experiences previously. Because when I found that, you know, there's over 200,000 people a year have near death experiences. And then you compare that to people who have had heart transplants, which is 2,000 a year. I'm like, wow, you know, we all accept that people have heart transplants. We, we get that. But it's just a fraction of how many people have near-death experiences. And yet somehow the media doesn't want to publicize that. You know, medical journals are, are few and far between when they're actually doing studies on this. And, you know, it's, it, it, they're really missing a big component because we all are going to die. Everybody has that on their mind. We all know it's coming. And Nobody is real excited about getting there, you know, and yet yeah. we should be, we should be very excited about it because we have this wonderful opportunity to live a life that God lets us live. And then we get to die and go with him. I, I mean, we get it all. That's it. It's a great thing. And they're not studying close enough because like someone like you is a perfect example where you can say this machine was there. She was there. I mean, you have verified <laughs> yeah. evidence, plus you being right. a psychotherapist, you know, yeah, and I with me, I was just 25 years old. But the thing is, is I was just in heaven accepting it. And then I'm back in the wheelchair and the pain and nausea and everything I just had was gone. And my doctors on the way to the exam room to examine me. How am I going to make him believe I'm almost dead here? He yeah. comes and examines me, says, Peggy, you're fine. Why do you keep saying a tubal pregnancy? And I could not say in 1987, I was just dead in heaven. Right. So something's wrong. Right. You need to look again. I couldn't say yeah. that. I wish to God I could have. Well, you know, I, I think you're right, though, because, I mean, I doubt the doctor would have listened. I, I mean, I've had one doctor, just one, ask me what it was like when I died. And she was asking me because, you know, she was a very caring, kind doctor. She knew that, you know, that's a pretty traumatic thing to go through. Just dying, you would think all doctors would say, hey, you know, you okay with that? You know, how you doing? But none of them have ever even asked anything about it. They don't even approach the topic whatsoever. And I honestly think it's because they don't want to hear some answers that they can't provide a medical explanation for. And that doctor, she was very open and she was, me and her were talking about it. But again, she was the only one. And I've seen hundreds of doctors and for them to never, they asked me about my cardiac arrest. They asked me about all my medical you know, information, but they never once have asked me, Hey, how are you doing with that? You, you know, does that still linger with you? Do you, do you worry about dying again? They don't ask me any of those questions. I refuse to go home. My doctor said, I, you know, to go home, be released. I said, I'm not going home. 
And he looked at my husband yeah. like, what's wrong with her? I couldn't tell him because I thought if I'm going to die, I'm going to do it here at the hospital, not with my kids at the house. Yeah. I'm not yeah, doing it. But I couldn't tell. I, I couldn't say why. So they put me in a private room by myself. And all night I kept having the same feeling. I, I'd get this pain in my hip bone. I'd sit up and I'd wake up covered in vomit everywhere, but the bowl I was holding. And after oh. a while, I thought I prayed to God. I said, God, I know you can't keep doing this. Now I laugh thinking I told God something he can't do, you know, but I said, I know you can't keep doing this. You can't keep bringing me back. And I didn't have any more near death experiences, but I knew I was dying each time I was starting to yeah. get it. I'm dying here. And wow. I said, God, I, I would come back awake. I'm like, I was just dead again. And so I told the nurse, call the doctor. Something's wrong. I'm not calling him. And so when I was on Dr. Oz, he told me, he said, every time you passed out, you died. Wow. And I said, That's I believe that and I knew it, but I never yeah. said it you out loud it. because yeah. I couldn't prove it. Yep. No, I, I get that because, you know, even even having the doctor tell me, it, you know, it still was good to hear the nurse tell me her part in it too. You know, it's like, because, you know, we have these conceptions of what is real, what isn't real and what can be done. And if the medical community doesn't tell us, you know, give it the stamp of approval, then we think, okay, they're, they can't be real because, you know, the doctors didn't say so. That is so untrue because, you know, God is so beyond our human intelligence, but they've never created any kind of medical instrument that can measure or define God. So how, how can we ever be able to explain that to them? And if they're not asking those questions in return, they're, they're really not ever going to give us those answers. It, it has to come from that, that understanding of, you know, when you've been there, there's no question about it. You died. You know what it feels like to die. I didn't like the actual feeling of death. I, that, you know, it, I've heard some people, some poets really describe death. And it's like, yeah, they, they kind of get it. You know, it's really a scary thing. And yet it's gone in a second because that love just floods in there. I honestly think that's a, a grace of God is that death hurts because then he's able to fill that hurt with so much love that it makes it worthwhile. And that really connects us to him. I felt that love not there because I was fighting to come back. I was told it was my time. I was told by God, the answer is no, wow. it is your time. And so when I ended up back in that wheelchair, that's when I felt the gratitude because yeah, I was I'll told bet. no, and now I'm back. Yeah. But I was like Cinderella, you only have till midnight because I knew it wasn't fixed. And, and I had been calling my doctor all week telling him something was wrong and he wouldn't believe in me. And I thought now he's going to come examine me and I have no blood anywhere. You know, I, I don't yeah. have any physical injury. How am I going to prove to him? And now my pain's even gone. And so how am I going to prove? And I had thought I was passing out, but when I head dropped, that's when I went through the tunnel and light and all. And so, yeah. I, you know, so I knew it wasn't fixed. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, I was, you know, in heaven. And it was 30 right. years before I told my doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, I wonder sometimes like, you know, what is it that, that causes the medical community to be so resistant to that? I, you know, I, I do think it's because they can't explain it. But I think that that there's also something else there that, you know, goes beyond that. I think that there's, and you know, I'm not sure how deep it goes, but I think that there's some doctors that put a lot of pressure on other doctors. So ones that do have faith, because I've seen doctors with crosses, you know, and, you know, so there's doctors who clearly have faith, but they don't even ask me. And so, you know, 
I, I think that it's just they're afraid to have the scrutiny put on them. I don't want to ask this question because if I do, I'm going to believe this guy and then everybody else is going to think I'm just as crazy as he is or, or whatever, you know? When and I told my so doctor, I took my husband, as I said, I'm going to tell him today. And so after my yeah. exam, the nurse is there, my husband's there. And I told my doctor, I said, I've wanted to tell you something for 30 years. He said, well, you better tell me then. And I gave him the brief <laughs> version of my NDE. I said, do you remember when I refused to go home that night? Yeah. Da, da, da. And I said, it's because I had near-death experience. I told him briefly it was about. And he says, I believe you. He says, in all my years of practice, I have come to believe exactly what you were saying right there. And the nurse says, oh, he yeah. does too. She says, we see it all the time. That's awesome. Oh, you got a good doctor. I, you know, but I, you know what, I, though? I, I, was, I, I, tell you something's weird. That took me 30 years to tell him. Yeah. Yeah. Then following year. Yeah. Um. I got a call to be on Dr. Oz, but I needed medical evidence. And it was 1886 and I, they, they got rid of everything. The doctor says, oh, yeah. Peggy, we're looking hard. We're, I really want to help you, but we, you know, they had, I forget the word is where they get rid of all the old stuff, all the old oh, yeah. records. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I gotta like have, I gotta have it. And so, and he's Peggy, we're really trying to help you. I really, you know, I really want you to go and I really want to help you, but we don't have it. He says, I remember it. You know, I, I know, you know, this right. happened because I, he's my doctor all those years. And, um, of course he knew I had the tool of pregnancy. I mean, he knew it all. And so it was, it was, in fact, when the, when I did have the tool of pregnancy, then right after the surgery, um, he came in my room and he said, you're famous around here. He says, this is the biggest tool of pregnancy the hospital ever saw. I was pregnant for twins. Wow. And one was stuck in the tube. That's why the ultrasound showed it looked like there's both in uterus. And, but anyway, um, oh. so I was staying there. And the nurses, she's one's calling Columbus, which is two hours away, the major record storage. Maybe it's in Microfish or something. And the other one's calling right. somewhere else. And this one lady's on the computer looking. They're trying her best to help me. And I'm like, I got to get to Sir Dr. Oz or I can't go on and you know, share the story with the world. And like, I'm start praying. I was like, God, you got to help me here. And then it come to my mind. You just mentioned that in your last exam. See if your doctor mentioned it. And I, the girl on the, on the computer, I said, look in my last appointment a year ago and see if yeah. there's anything in there. She goes, um, mm -hmm, it's right here. Ah, and isn't awesome. that funny yeah. that I had not told yep. him in 30 years. And, and if I hadn't, I wouldn't have had evidence. It was all yeah. in there where he discussed it. Wrote what we I, discussed. You know, that goes with the, that hope that, that being compelled to do things, you know, it's, you know that there's times that you're just being, it's like you feel that little bit of agitation in your soul that, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. After 30 years, I got to tell my doctor or, you know, I got to quit doing this thing for me. You know, I got to always stop that. But it's, our God does talk to us. And, you know, if we choose to listen, wonderful, amazing things can yes. happen. And so it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But yeah. it, and it, we it, can think, him. we can think of the time, crap, I don't want to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. we'll do it oh, yeah. anyway, but it will turn out for the best every time. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. Things that we couldn't even imagine it would turn out. That that is that's how I feel about my whole experience. You know, I I, I sat there and when they first told me about it, you know, like they, that very first heart failure, the, the ambulance they come in and they're ripping my clothes off and they're putting the paddles on me and I'm like, it's my heart. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I couldn't believe it. I was in good shape. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any cholesterol. I, I, everything was good. I, I couldn't believe my heart was bad. And so, you know, that was a big shock. And then 
after all that, I, you know, I barely survived that one. And, you know, the doctor said, hey, he's going to be a vegetable. They were telling my wife, I'll never talk again. I'll never do anything. And, you know, a week later, I'm out of the hospital that time, too. So I, I mean, I just blew him away. And yet the whole time I'm thinking, I hate this. I hate this. And yet look how God turned it around. You know, I would never change this experience for anything. He does actually make everything good for those who love him. And if you just put your faith into him, he will turn even a bad situation into something good. I don't know, you know, every time it's going to be, you know, some miraculous thing, but it is going to be something good for us. Or There's for always going to be love. a silver lining. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we just got to not keep our head focused on this negative over here because we'll miss the silver lining as it flies right by us if, if we're focused only on the negative. And that's often the easy thing to do is to just stay there stuck in a rut. And you know, that's not how life is supposed to be. There are going to be ups and downs and we just have to have to be willing to be flexible and roll with them. I've had to learn how to listen to that voice. And I have started realizing I argue with it. If I'm arguing <laughs> with myself, it's like the subconscious and it starts to come just at the surface. We're just here just a little bit focus on it because I was like no I'm not going to mm -hmm. and I thought who am I talking to you know in my head I'm like wait a minute listen to what they're saying because that voice is always right and the yeah. more I've learned to listen to it and trust it and, and even yeah. time just the other day I did it again I didn't trust it and it was <laughs> it was telling me I was like oh my gosh look at this I can't believe this I thought I was seeing something and this voice was saying that's not what it appears I know it looks like yeah. it, but that is not what it appears. It is really like, give this person a break because they did not intend this. And I thought, yeah. it's blatant right there. And they say they did not intend it. Calm down. Don't overkill here. Be patient. You know, I'm here to like, and I didn't listen. And then a few hours later, it's like, this person's like, oh my gosh, no, I thought it meant something else. That's why I said this to you. Cause I thought, and, and it was a total misunderstanding. I'm like, right. I get it. I get it. I trusted this person wholeheartedly. It's like, I knew to listen to that voice and I didn't. We're still gonna screw yeah. up. We do, yeah. You know, it, but but like even today, I it was amazing that this happened. But there was, you know, I, I was at the, the Mayo Clinic and so there I had to park in the parking garage. And as I'm coming out of the parking garage, there was a lady in front of me and she couldn't quite reach the, the ticket thing. And it's, you know, so everybody's honking behind me and you know, my horn doesn't work, so I, I couldn't honk, so it doesn't even matter. I I wouldn't honk anyway, but I, I, I kind of looked out there and, and I could kind of see because I was right behind her. I'm in my truck. So I'm looking and I'm like, I don't think she can get out of that car. You know, it, it, should, it didn't look like she was intentionally. She was obviously trying. So I just got out of my truck, went over there and I said, hey, could I help you? She goes, oh, I would love it if you would. And <laughs> turned out she was disabled and the nicest lady. But, you know, if I didn't listen to that, to that inclination, hey, you should go help, you know. I could have been just bitter like everybody else, upset. Hey, you're taking up our time. Yeah. But it caused me to have this interaction. And it's those little things that, you know, those are the things that I think are going to bother us when, when we do die and, and go through this again is that I could have done this for somebody and I didn't. You know, why was I so lazy not to just ask? You know, it doesn't hurt me any. What's she going to do? Yell at me? Hey, fine. I'll, you know, I'll go back in my truck. It won't help you. But it's not usually going to be the case. People are pretty open to us doing kind things for each other. And it's just, people aren't usually used to having that happen. Yeah. And, and it means so much. I've been receiving the things that 
And just somebody just swoops in out of nowhere. Oh, let me help you. And the soup gone. I'm like, wow. I said the other yeah. a while back, I said, I was uh, frantic when I first started this podcast because I don't know how to edit. And so I was at Walmart looking for some kind of editing software. I didn't know what stuff was called. I didn't know where to look. And I'm just standing there looking. I'm like, I just don't know what to do. And this kid, I call kid, he's probably you know, mid-20s, and he's kind of a grunge kind of look, I call it, I guess, but like a clean grunge. And he just whipped his head around. I wasn't saying anything. And he just whipped around the head. And I think I did say something to my husband. And but not really enough to give a lot of information. He whipped around and he says, Um, are you looking for editing? He says, because I used to kind of edit and and um, I was like, do you work here? He says, no, I used to work at a Walmart, but I don't work at this one. He said, I just know a lot about editing. And what you need to this is, and you can get this online and, and da, 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 da. And he stood there for like 15 minutes, like editing oh, 101. Yeah. that's. And I'm thinking, I, I wanted to say, I went out of my mouth to say it, and I didn't. I was too embarrassed. I wanted to say, are you an angel? I wonder, like, reach his arm and grab his arm and say, are you an angel? Yeah. <laughs> because it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, he just, that kindness, though, it, you know, and that's where I think, you know, when Jesus told me that I got to share his love, I think that's what he's really talking about. Those moments where we just do something kind for no other reason than just to be kind, because people feel it like you felt it. And I feel it all the time when people do kind things for me, you know, and, you know, especially because you know, I'm covered in tattoos and, you know, a lot of times I can look intimidating to some people. And yet you could, you should see some of the littlest old ladies will come up to me and they're just the kindest things. People that you would think would be terrified of me, and yet they're going out of their way to do something kind, and it melts my heart. Like, I mean, I, I just, I love it more when they do things for me than anyone else because it really does melt my heart. But we can have that impact on each other just by showing love, just, just the tiniest little things. It's not even what you know, what people would even consider a big deal. It's just doing something kind. Yeah, and you know, I talked before uh, on this podcast about self love. And that, that's not a selfish thing because like my sister's handicapped and she's in um, end stage um, renal now, terminal. Oh. And so I'm facing with, you know, my life, what my life is going to be like without my sister. And, and I have realized in the last few months helping her through this, that I feel such love for myself when I help her. And my husband, he just adores her too. And I said, doesn't that feel good? You know, because yeah. she's childlike. And, and so yeah. she's like a child. And it feels so good to, you know, like you helping that lady, you see she's handicapped. And you feel, yep. you don't realize it, but you feel this self-love. Oh, it feels so good that I just helped them. Yeah, I think God designed it that way for a very particular reason. Because we do, you know, as human beings, we, we have these physical sensations but they do reinforce our good behaviors, you know, because I've, I've been satisfied with a lot of negative things and it never lasts. It, it's, it, you think this is something you really want. Oh, if I get a, you know, if I just go hard and I get a promotion and I get this, this, this big raise, I'll be really happy. I'll just exclude all the things I got to do to get there. And then I'll still be happy. No, those things, they hurt us. Those negative things we do, they hurt us on the process. And that, extra raise that the promotion those things never last because then after you've attained them now you got to find something else to fill that void with and you're never going to do it it's not you never get that time away from your children back either 
No, you don't. You know, when you're all career focused, trying to build a better yep. life for your kids and you get older like me as a grandparent and you look back and your house is quiet and you think I can never get those years back. You know, I was yeah. I was working full time. I was going to school. I was you know taking in foster kids. I was working on these cases for children's services late at night. And, you know, and I think, where was my kids? Yeah. You no, know, they were watching TV. They was in their room, they was visiting their cousin, and then they got to be teenagers and they're with their friends. And um, and I just want that time back. Yeah. Because yep. all agree. that don't matter now. No, I mean, and we all know we can't take any of that stuff with us. Right. And you know, there are certain things we have to do. You know, I gotta pay the light bill, I gotta pay for the food. But after that, what else do I really need? Do I need all the bigger cars and the bigger house and, you know, all these extras? And I found that those things have never really provided me any kind of enjoyment. You know, they're, I, I like to get something, you know, for in that moment. And then it becomes something I'm used to and I no longer care about it. It's on to the next one. And I don't want to live like that anymore because I never had happiness that way. You know, it's, it's always a chase, it, you know, it becomes the attainment is what you start to feel happiness about, but it's not even a happiness. It's more of an addiction than, than anything else. And, and this, I find doing these good deeds, I'm constantly on the lookout for them now, you know, like I, I was looking at that, that lady today and I thought, does she need help? And I, you know, I kept questioning myself, like, you know, am I just getting overzealous? Am I, am I going to do the wrong thing? Am I going to do the right thing? Then I just had that very clear, clear inclination that I, I should just go and ask her if she needs some help. And I got something out of it. I, I, I know she was happy, but I think I was much happier than her because it feels good to help somebody. Yeah. And as long as you're safe in doing so, you know, oh, yeah. we still have to listen to that, that voice that says, <laughs> yeah. oh, I want to go help. And that voice might be saying, do not yeah. cross that traffic. It's dark, it's right. raining, you know, there's too many lanes or the car's on fire or whatever. You know what I mean? There might be a voice coming in saying, stop, don't go too. Yeah. And we're like, oh no, yeah, I'm absolutely. doing good. I'm doing good. Do you know what I mean? Because we tell that, sorry, <laughs> it's like, do we, no. I tell that voice to shut up a lot. Yeah. And I, well, you know, because whatever. Because there can be also nefarious voices that want to tell us what to do. And, you know, there, I found that, that, you know, the demons are, are very adept at manipulating my already bad personal behaviors. You know, the habits that I've acquired over my life, you know, they know how to, to they've seen me in action long enough. They can sit there and, and whatever, the, I don't know how they do it, but they do a pretty good job of it. And they make me feel like, oh yeah, I should do this or I should do that. And really that other part of me, that peaceful part, it gets disturbed. And once that disturbance happens, I know, okay, something's not right. Because when, I, when I'm being called to something peaceful, the peace stays there. It, it doesn't, doesn't get yeah. stirred up. You right. know? You're right. And so that's, that's really kind of the, the thing I go for. And, you know, it's like, but you're right about not rushing into it. Because I could see, particularly when, you know, I'm like, like I said, I'm on the lookout, right? I could see them trying to pull me into something that might not be good for me. And yet, you know, it's, it's that, that disturbance of my peaceful part of my, of my being. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's, that comes from God is that peaceful yeah. part because everything else comes from the world. I, yeah. Like I, doing I the right that, thing brings a calm. Yes, it really does. It really does. Yeah. And I, you know, we always 
tell kids to do the right thing. And then I don't know where the message gets lost. You know, the schools, they, they, I remember they told me to do the right thing when I was a little kid, but then along the way, they started changing that, that thing up, telling me, Hey, you do what you do, you, you do what's best for you. And, but you know, that's not the right thing all the time. In fact, usually I chose the things that were only good for me, not for anyone else. And, you know, that's not a way to live. You, you can, you can get by for a while on that, but you really are going to find a lot of unhappiness in this life and in the next. The strongest I felt that pull at tug of war, the voices is um, I, a few months after my 25 year old NDE, um, I was walking through the living room. Oprah was new on and she was talking about people that died and come back. And I thought, Oh, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Oh my gosh. How stupid do they think we are? Cause I had just pushed all that out of, you know, away from me because I lost my twins yeah. in that. It was depression and I don't think uh, about it. And all that that. Was, yeah, that was, yeah. And so I, I, oh my God, how stupid. And I rolled my eyes and I took a step to walk into the kitchen, start supper. And I like stopped. Like, why does that sound so familiar? And I'm like, oh my God, it was real. It was real. Oh my God, it was real. The memory come back. And I allowed myself, yeah. like I never forgot it, but I just was angry and I was depressed. I didn't want to yeah, remember that. Pressed it. Uh-huh. And it come back. And then it was like this, voice saying oh ladybug i'm allergic it's one voice was saying it can't be real another was like but it was real it can't be it was i mean i actually was like this with two voices yeah. now that sounds crazy yeah. it does sound it crazy but now you know i realized it was like which way are you going to go are you going to just forget about it or are you going to face it and i had to face it because it was like it was real. And I, it knew, I knew it. I knew it was real. But yeah. this voice was wanting to try to say it couldn't have been. It's not possible. Of course it, it wanted to steal it from you. Yeah. And so you know, after it, supper, it, I sat my husband down and I told him. And he said, that was the first time I told it. And he said, I know you and I know how it sounds. He says, well, I can tell you, tell me the truth. Yeah. But then like I could say, always end with that. It was like, what do you do now? You know, I didn't catch the word near-death experience. I don't know if they even said it. So I didn't even know where, like, I even thought I'd go to the library, but I didn't know what it was called. What would I even look yeah. up? How could I even explain to the librarian what I was talking about? I thought it never happened to anybody but me. Now yeah, I heard, and then what... I just heard these people talking, and I didn't believe it happened to them. They looked weird. They talked weird. You know what I mean? They looked like weirdos yeah. to me. And so I knew yeah. what happened to me and I really didn't care whether it happened to them or not. It was just like, what do I do with yep. this? Well, well, I, not, I can't do nothing too. with it. Hmm? Yeah. You know, I felt, I felt like that too, though. I, I felt like, you know, I didn't believe in near death experiences before this, but when it happened to me, I was like, well, this is a real deal. This is, this is going to blow everything else away. And then I started to see, wait a second. It's almost exactly the same as everybody else's. It's not a big I mean, there's differences in how I explain it, but that's that can be attributed to my own translation of what I saw because you know I'm seeing something that's totally beyond what a human being can actually. I mean, we don't have any way to describe some of the things that we see. So you know, you got two people who are seeing that. It, you're going to have maybe a little bit of a variance, but there's a very very strict pattern that these follow, and that really impressed me because there is no way you can get two hundred thousand people a year to have the same kind of story year after year after year. That's just bizarre. And 
it just, it's really amazing. But I had that same feeling like, wow, this is the most amazing thing. And yet at the same time, I had this, you know, when I, I thought, okay, I'm going to try to write this out. And I, I felt really strong about it. I felt really good. That peaceful part of me felt really good. But then there was something that's saying, no, you just want to do it to make money. Well, that voice, you know, it clearly was lying to me because you don't make money writing the book. Right. I mean, it's a it's, liar. <laughs> yeah, it's a liar. So, you know, I, I, I had to really check that, though, because it, it made me afraid to come out with it. It's like, OK, maybe I should just keep this to myself then. And, you know, maybe this was just a gift for me and I'll just keep it to myself. And then it kept coming up saying, you got to share this. You got to share it, you know, and then. I, I just finally committed to doing it. And all of a sudden I just got a ton of energy to be able to put it out and write it because, you know, I, I was really struggling for a long time to, to be able to get anything, you know, anything done. And then that just energized me. I, I knew I was on the right path to getting it out because I felt peace. And, you know, that, that other, that other side, that, 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 that nefarious demonic type of influence it never wants peace for you. It always wants to disrupt you. And it always wants to disrupt those around you. And, and that's really the fruit of, of its behavior, you know, and the other side. It's like the animal of us. us. Yeah, it really is the animal of us. It's all about that instinct and, you know, dog eat dog kind of, you know, and who wants that? That's, it's a horrible way to live. And I, I can only think that the, the demons are really laughing at us when they get us to do those things because they like us to be in misery. They don't like us. They hate us so much. They want to see us, you know, ever suffer. And yet God, all he ever wants to see is beauty and love for us. And, you know, well, you know, we have the instincts of survival that kept all yep. our, you know, ancestors to bring us to this point, you know, they had to survive. Yeah. So they had to be selfish. They had to look out for themselves. They for had sure, to be yeah, paranoid. Sure. You know, they had to. And so we do have to, and I was thinking today, you know, like if I just found out I was going to uh, die, my first instinct would probably be like, crap. But then, because that's a, like a primal feeling where we still yeah. have it, but hopefully it won't be crap for very long. Hopefully right. crap. will. Oh, okay. I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, well, that's the, that's the beauty of Jesus dying on the cross is he changes all those, those human things of us. You know, it's like, cause like now I, he's overcome my desire for self-preservation. I, I, you know, I don't have the opportunity, but if it ever does that I have to risk my life to save somebody else's, it won't even be a bat of an eye. I'm going to do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, I, I think it's because I, I have so much trust that he's got something for me. And I, I really don't know what it is, but if he puts that in my place, I'm going to follow it. And, and it's just because out of pure love for him, you know, and, but I, you know, I used to be somebody who I always, you know, I always thought I would do the right thing and, and say somebody, I probably would have, but it would have been more for my own ego, you know, not for the purity of just doing something because it's so much better to save somebody than it is to, to not do it. So, you know, everything has changed. My whole perspective is more about just doing peaceful and loving things for other people. And that's, that's kind of a denial of myself, but I can only, I can only say that's because Jesus gave me an example. And for some reason he gave me some graces now that I, I see that as the better way for me and I, I'm loving it. Yeah. It has been a wonderful conversation. Oh, I, I liked it too. I was like, thank you for sharing your story with me too. I, that's awesome. I, 
you know, I don't get to talk to a lot of people who've had near-death experiences. So it's, I'm, yeah. I'm really so, grateful. Thank you. Yeah. And people t- get on me all the time, comments. It's like, tell me to shut up, you know, let the guests talk. I'm like, you don't get it. I'm alone yeah. out here. <laughs> you know, I want to talk to another yeah, person here. I'm not going to get another chance. <laughs> yeah. Every podcast is another chance. Up, right. But it also brings up other things, you know, because, you know, as I'm, I'm, I've only told my story a few times, but it, you know, as, as I tell it, it, it comes, there's certain pieces that get to come out a little bit more detailed in one conversation versus another. And, and it's, I think there's a beauty to it because like when we were talking, it just was like a natural flow, you know, and kind of hearing what you had and then it sparked me. Oh yeah. And I kind of had this over here. And, you know, that, that really made it more interesting, at least for me, I had a good time. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah. Some of the people that do this all the time, you know, they'll send me, they'll want me to send my questions beforehand. I don't have any questions oh. beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you I know, come up with a question as you're talking. <laughs> yeah. So some people have interviewed me and said, Hey, you know, what do you want me to, to talk about? I'm like, well, you're the interviewer. Ask whatever you want. I don't, I'm not going to come in prepared. <laughs> I, I know my story. That's all I'm going to come with. Yeah. So it's I like, love it like yeah. this. I'm like, let it flow. Let's see where it takes yeah, us. Just, Let's see where it's meant to go yeah. and leads. And I love it. Yep. I do too. I, I agree. I think it's more natural and just, it, it comes out in a, in a more authentic way too, because you know, there's something about that natural conversation that, that guides us in, in the right direction. And, you know, I think God we, gets we, in I there. Think, I do too. I, th- I think he helps guide it to what we need out of that conversation. He also knows who's listening and you know what they're going to need. Cause it's not just about you and us. It's about them too. And sometimes, you know, having those those reflecting voices back and forth really does deepen the whole conversation. Yeah. The other day, this lady was coming on. She says, but I don't want to be on the camera. Yeah. I hate sitting on the camera by myself, you know, like, oh, crap. Yeah. And then she said, like, OK, because, you know, I'm thinking this is about the experience. It's about the guests. It's not about me. I'm going to sit there and look like a yeah. fool on a camera by myself. OK. <laughs> And then she says, I said, okay, just send me a headshot. No, I want the cover of my book. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, nobody's going to yeah. watch this. And, and, and then, yeah. then something told me, no, this is about the experience. Somebody will get something out of it. After yeah. I published it, it was um, yesterday. It was like just a few days ago I published it. Somebody commented, I was raised in an atheist home. And she never did not believe until she watched. Oh, that's I'm awesome. Like, Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's, you know, to be able to snatch one away from the other side is so cool. Because, you know, it's great when, when other Christians or people of faith say, wow, that's, you know, your story is really powerful. But when somebody who struggles with their faith or has no faith at all, I love the, I love hearing that. And. You know, that's kind of why I don't like being on camera any more than anyone else does. But I do know that for me, it's better if I get to look people in the face. Because to me, I want to be able to have that eye-to-eye contact because, you know, I had my doubts before all this. I want people to look right in my eyes and know I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, they can think or he saw neurotran- you know, his neurotransmitters. I still believe what he believed beforehand. They can believe that. I know that's not the case, but at least they know I'm not lying to them. You know, and and that's I think that's a really important piece for me anyway. But yeah, and but I somebody feel, asked me, I, I why don't you do like other podcasters and put the speaker like take me off the camera and just have them? I'm like, and I gave one word reason bonding. Yeah, 
I want to yeah. bond with my guests. Like when we Absolutely. first met on here, you know, right. I'm like, I didn't know you and I'm nervous right. and I'm anxiety and I'm like praying. Me I'm like, God, yeah. help me relax, you know, take this anxiety away. I just want to focus on your story because you know, there's some anxiety going on at first because I don't know you uh -oh. and, and I'm trying to yep. connect to you. And now like, here we are. Right. I just want to hug you. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah, the, way, that's the way I am at all, mo not all, but majority of my guests. At yeah. the, by the end of it, I just yeah. want to hug them. Now, there's been a few yeah. people that are just like, da, 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 you know, monotone, yeah. and I'm trying really yep. hard to connect, and and, yeah. my, and I feel like I'm going to doze off, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I don't want that. I want this. I want that energy. Yeah, me too. I know. I, I, I agree because, you know, it is. It's awkward. You, you know, you're just meeting somebody for the first time, and they're going to talk about something extremely personal, you know, and... And, and something so powerful. Right? And, you know, it's nice to be able to, to look at each other. And, you know, that's how human beings are meant to converse with each other. We're meant to sit there face to face. And, you know, granted, we got a, a computer screen, but it's it's still, it's a lot closer than just a phone. I mean, this is this is a pretty intimate way to communicate with each other. And, and, and who else are we going to walk into tonight, tomorrow, and this month that's been in the white light? You right. know what I mean? You were I'm, in the white light. Gonna... I was in the white light. Like, yeah. let's talk about it. Right. Especially because, you know, I could walk by people who have had that experience. And I'll never know. You know, right. it's not like I, I get a ding dong that says, hey, that guy had an NDE and that lady did, too. And I don't know. I, I so I, I never get the opportunity to talk to other people who have it. And, and it's great, too. I, I love it. I do. I'm, and I'm and, really I'm, and I know God and Jesus and all the angels are just excited when we do it, that we're sharing. Yeah. Because, you know, these go all over the world, these podcasts. Yeah. You That's know, cool. I have this little yes. button <laughs> analytics and it'll tell you every how many views in each country. And that's, that's just awesome. like, yes, yes, God, look, yeah. God, look what I did. You know, you sent me back yeah. and I got to raise my sons and, and this guy got to come back and, you know, and, and we're right. Bugs flying around. And um, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so I think that all this energy that you have experienced tonight is going to heal whatever is wrong with you. Oh, because I, I believe that energy heals yeah. yeah and it, some you know, people there's no doubt about it. Huh? I, there's no doubt about it i mean i you know that's how jesus was healing he was just doing with that energy but that energy is love you know it's like you know i i feel like you will the best for me and i know i'm willing the best for you and, and that's really what love is you know we're supposed to will each other we're supposed to want each other to be able to go to heaven you know not not that we all win a million bucks. That's not that's not love for each other. Loving each other is knowing that what well, we know. We know God's there. We know He's waiting for us. I want to help as many people to get there as well. You know, and, and makes God happy. I really want to do that. Yeah, and and if I, I croak tomorrow, you croak next week. I was all good. There's still silver linings because yeah. we know where we're that's going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for that to happen. I'm, although I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I know? mean, I want to live to be a hundred. You know, I want that hundredth birthday sure. party with my kids and great, 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 great yeah. kids. And yeah, you know, I want to be here for everybody and know what all happened in their life. You know, I don't want to do it in a visible ghost. You know, where they yeah. can't see me. But yeah, it's way. And more then fun if I do have to go sooner, then I want to be a guardian angel. Yeah, and I want to watch over everybody and you know, move that car out of the way before it hits them and all those kinds of things. Cause yeah. I have felt it in my life, those guardian yeah. angels so many yeah. times. And I know yeah, they're there. 
Mine, mine's a hard worker. I'll tell you that. I, I have put mine through some, some <laughs> strenuous activities and <laughs> amazing the work that my guardian angel has done. Yeah. And there's so much to be angry and upset and worried about today with everything going yeah. on. But when yep. you and I get talking, it's like, oh, that stuff don't it matter. Goes away. Oh, good. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. You know, that's what I felt when I came back too for at least a week or two that nothing, I mean, not anything. The doctor said, hey, you know, you got to do this. Okay, whatever. I'm fine. And then they say, hey, this has got to go. You know, okay. All right. Nothing bothered me. I mean, not even a bit. And, and I, I always want to try to get to that point. I'm hoping before I die again, that I'm able to get to where I'm constantly living in that awareness of, you know, whatever God has for me, that's, that's what he's going to allow to happen. And I can be, I can be confident in the fact that I'm doing his will just by accepting whatever falls on me, good or bad. Yeah. And, because we can't see the silver lining. Right. And, and honestly, there's a lot more good. It's just, you know, the bad tends to grab our attention, but I, I've seen so much good in my life and all this medical stuff. It's just an inconvenience to me now. I, I really don't even see it as any more than just an inconvenience. And well, I'm so glad that, that you've got the insurance from the VA. I mean, yeah, me too. I, cause otherwise I, I, I would, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it hurts anyway. It's financially, I mean, the uh, heart transplant and, you know, all these medical things, it's been, it's been a challenge, but God always keeps finding ways to help me. And he's always had his hand on my life to make sure that, you know, it just works out and I don't have to stress about it. What was that joyful sorrow? What was it? Oh, to suffer joyfully. Suffer joyfully. That's beautiful. Yeah. I want that on a coffee cup. You know what? I should do that too. Cause that's, it, it really is the way that all human beings should live their lives because you know, you suffer today and it turns into joy tomorrow, but why not just to have joy the whole way through? Because you're really doing what God wants. You know, if he thinks you're strong enough to handle some kind of, you know, heart transplant, then you should be pretty, you should be feeling pretty good because he thinks you're strong enough to handle a heart transplant. Yeah. You know, and you know, people that get suicidal forget, and we've all been in them places, dark spots in our life, yeah. but we forget, Oh, you know, you're thinking, I don't have this. I don't have that. And I don't know. Right. You know what, no matter if it's material or relationship, which you, which you lack, well, guess what? Pick your arm up. It works because some people don't have an arm to pick up. That's right. That's right. Open your eyes yep. and see, because a lot of people are blind, you know, yeah. Yeah. to take a and, perfectly and you know, healthy living being and kill it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially because there's, you know, what's, what's a problem to one person isn't, a, isn't to another, you know, and it's like some people, they, they get really upset about financial things and, some people get upset about medical things and some people get upset about whatever, you know, and, but the other ones don't bother them. So, you know, it's like we, we, we make our own problems. We make them into what they are. They're, they're really not the monsters that we think they are. It's, it's our perception and how we let that play in our minds. And, you know, once we kind of release that, that false idea that we have control, you know, we don't really have control. We can, we can impact the outcome. We can do a lot of good things or a lot of bad things that make that outcome what it ends up becoming. But I can't stop the fact that I was going to have to have, lose my heart that, you know, I, I prayed, I, I asked God to not make me lose my heart. That wasn't in, that wasn't in, in his plan, but I look at it now. I'm like, wow, I got, 
something from somebody else who was so gracious to donate this to me. I pray for that person every single day and I thank them because they gave me additional life. And, you know, I, I really think like I've got to live my life in a way for that person too. You know, I've got to live my life because they didn't donate this hard for me just to squander it, you know? And one of my first indie ears on my podcast, he um, met his lung transplant donor during his near death experience. Oh, wow. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I, of course I didn't get to, cause I didn't have mine until after that. Right. But wow. Could you imagine that? That would be the coolest thing. Because, you know, I still haven't gotten to meet my my donor yet. And, you know, I don't know that I will be able to. It sounds like, you know, mine had a rough life and might not have had a lot of family. So that that's probably something I'm just going to have to get, you know, get comfortable with that I'm not going to be able to. But it doesn't stop me from talking to that person because I know if, if they are in heaven, I'm, they're going to be with Jesus. They're going to hear hear my prayers through him. So, you know, he's going to definitely let them know what's happening. And, yeah. I, you know, I just... I just, I just think that it's such a wonderful thing when people do those kinds of things. And man, that would be cool to meet your donor, you know, just to be able to have that face. But yeah. And he hadn't um, been interviewed before and, you know, I was online and then I see him on podcasts all the time. He's getting like tons of views and everything. You know, he started out my little tiny podcast. It was brand new podcast. He was like my third interview person or something, I think. And so, yeah, (laughs) like, you know what I was doing? I didn't know how to enter and it was really crappy, but you know, I had him on there and you know, he got his story out and then, but it gave him the confidence yeah. to then go on. And I, I love to have first timers, you know, it's never been on a podcast yeah. before. And uh, I just explained to him zoom and, you know, and whatever. And I love it because I know I'm going to see him again later and yeah. they're just going to oh, be yeah. going out there and going out there. And, yeah. So I feel like yeah, training wheels for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. What's your sister's name? If you don't mind. Melody. If I ask. Okay, I'm gonna say prayers for her too. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she is going to be the most beautiful angel. And if she goes before me, you know, I want her to be the first person I see in heaven. I want to see yeah. how beautiful and healthy she is because she's been disabled yeah. her whole life. Yeah, so it's gonna be wonderful for her to be in yes. glory and just that whole. And she don't understand. Yeah, she don't understand what's happening right now. Right. You know, I, I just stood there and talked to my mom about it in front of her because she don't know. I kind of yeah. talk in code, you know, I'm not graphic. Yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, she don't know what's coming. But, you know, yeah, sometimes yeah. that might be the thing, too. Yeah. You know, there's despair of that of that fear. And... Yeah. But I, I just imagine, you know, the moment she crosses over, how wonderful. Because she's so angelic. She's been so angelic her whole yeah. life and she's childlike. And she's going to be so happy and it's going to be so bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough for you, but you know, but you also know where she is. You know, that's kind of, you know, my, my son, when I came back, he, uh, you know, my my young, my middle son, he's, he's my, well, my middle child, obviously he, uh, you know, he was really hit hard by it. And he was my buddy. We just would get along so well, but he, uh, he was asking me about it and, you know, and I said, it was, you know, it's hard to come back. You know, I had to come back to all this pain and, you know, there everything was beautiful. And, you know, I was really trying to, to set his, his worries at, at peace, but I didn't really do a good job of it because, you know, he, I, I was describing how wonderful it was in comparison to, you know, how negative it is here. And what he said is, you know, dad, 
if you die again, don't come back. And I'm like, why? You don't want me to come back? He's like, I don't want you to suffer like this. He goes, just stay there and enjoy it. I had to tell him that, you know, part of my, my enjoyment, you know, there was you and was my love for you. And, you know, that, that played into it. And, but it was, you know, now he's at this point though, where he understands it so much better and he's not worried about whether or not I, that'll be a healing. If if something happens to you and that'll be a healing, even if it's of old age. Yeah, I feel very comfortable with it. Even, you know, for him, it's like death doesn't, you know, and he's not going to be limited in his own life because of worries about death. And I think, you know, that's good because he's not, you know, overzealous where he's going to do crazy things either, but he's not going to limit himself on, on living his life, you know? And I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to have that understanding that God is really there. He's, he's waiting for us. I had a unique perspective during my NDE when I lost the twins. I told God I was bargaining, which you, I know you know that as a therapist, the part we start <laughs> yeah. bargaining. I was like, okay, yeah. fine. You know, um, I agree to stay if. Um, I said, you can look into the future. You're omniscient. I said, you so you can look into the future. So I'm kind of like um, asking God to sh- prove himself to me too, I think in a way when I say this. Yeah. And if you can show me that my sons will be better off without me for any reason, I agree to stay. But if not, I beg to return because I have been demanding to return. Now I'm begging. And um, so then I see Jesus from behind and it's wavy brown hair, just like our typical, my imagination of Jesus. And I see this man from behind. He doesn't turn around or anything. I see him behind and he's waiting for me. And I go with him and we're side by side like this. And we drop down out of heaven. And now we are over. We lived in a trailer at the time and, and we were in the future. Because I asked God, you know, if my sons would be better off for whatever reason, I agreed to stay. But if not, oh, yeah. you know, and so I was taken to the future. When I seen Jesus standing there, I, I just like instantly knew and I joined him. We dropped down the future and my boys um, are in their bedroom and they're discussing the fact that mom has died and they look the same age. So it was, it was still fresh. Yeah. And it, and now, you know, when I got older, I look back and it's like a scene out of the Christmas Carol, you know, you take into the future yeah, and right. they were discussing the fact that mom has died. And my middle son, Jeremy's very sensitive. And he told his other brother, he says, I don't care that you say mom is dead. I want her back. And I want her back right now. And he was crying and he was angry and he, and I felt his pain in my heart and it hurt so bad. I retracted and now I'm back in the white light. But when I was first in the white light, I looked down and I couldn't see me. And then as I was arguing and spilling out my past, like life review, telling God my past with a, you know, projectile vomiting that come out clear and all that, (coughs) excuse me. Then I see a physical me. So there's this, like, I want to say, or, but you know, there's no me, right. There's, there's me. And then I see a physical me yelling all this stuff. Like it was separated from me. And over here on my right was, I say, a panel of people and God sitting up front and center, but it was just a faint outline. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, so now, now that I'm back after seeing my son upset, and now I'm back, but I'm in a physical body. And that's the first time in heaven I'm in a physical body. But even when yeah. I joined Jesus, it was kind of, I don't, I want to say a reflection of me because that would have been a third, third me. I know it sounds stupid. Okay. But there's an invisible me. Then this person screaming this stuff. And then from behind, I see a physical me join him. 
and down underneath. <coughs> and then, um, so now I'm in physical body and I, cause I see my hands from my face cause I'm sobbing. And I realize it's not God's fault that I died. It's mine. When I was 20, my ex um, forced me to get sterilized um, during the second C-section. Oh. And when I was 25, I found out I could have it reversed and I had the surgery and I found that it would give me 5% chance of a tool pregnancy. Okay. It's that every woman has a 5%. You know, this will give you another five, so you have 10% chance. I got that two crazy right off the bat right after surgery. Yeah. And so I said, I, I just knew it was this honesty. It wasn't God telling me it was me judging myself. And just like my life review wasn't God. It was me showing him, you know? And so I was like, you know, I, I accept it. You know, I caused myself to die. I caused my twins to die. I caused my sons to be motherless. I accept it. And I'm sobbing. And then I thought that would be it for acceptance. But now another thing, because as mothers, we got to worry about everything. We can't worry about one thing. We quit worry about that and we're going to worry about something else. So then yeah. I thought I accepted that and I let that go. It was my fault. And so like, basically I felt I deserved to die is the way I felt. Yeah. And so then my next thought was, okay, accept it. And I thought, well, I'll see my sons when they're old men, they die. I'll be here waiting on them. And then this fear compounded in and it was like, what if my sons are so angry because they lost their mother at such a young age, they hate God and my sons never come to heaven. That's yeah. when I ended up sobbing and my hands come up and I'm, but Jesus was now sitting beside God and all I seen was like the bottom of his feet. And I think that was like your imagination forms, like you hear something outside and you think it's a cat and you imagine a cat, you know what I mean? It's like that. It's like, I imagine the feet. And, and so I'm like at his feet sobbing and I brought my hands up and I said, who else will teach them about you? And then I was back in that wheelchair. Wow. And so that is the impact. You know, they say, oh, I felt the love. And I, why do you feel all that on, on my near death experience? I felt it back in that wheelchair. Yeah. God you knew just he gave me my life back. I he was gave in heaven. Back. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and I am in all of that for the yeah. rest of my life. You know, the God gave me my life right. back. I, it's such an honor to be able to be alive to watch your children grow. And now yeah. I'm watching my grandchildren grow. And yeah. that's an honor. And I honor God with my whole being because of that. that yeah, that's because, so merciful. Yeah. So many people die of tubal pregnancies. Yeah, and it was oh, the yeah. biggest one they ever saw. And then for Dr. Oz to say, every time you passed out, you died. And I'm like, I always wow. thought that. And God kept me alive yeah. all night. And that's what I prayed. God, just keep me alive till morning. Maybe the doctor will come in early and do an ultrasound. And they'll find out what the heck's going on. And that's exactly right. what happened. Wow. And so they said I had internal bleeding feeling my entire abdominal cavity clear up my chest. And, wow. you know, I shouldn't be here. Right. But I'm only here because God allowed it. And yeah. I feel his compassion for me. Right. And, and that's something nobody can take from me, you know. And no whether way. people say, I don't believe you're NDE or whatever. But, you know, I made peace with that by the fact that because I wrestled with it. Because, you know, I was a counselor, I was an investigator for children's services. You yeah. know, I was all these things. And I had a wonderful, impeccable reputation. And I didn't want right. to look crazy. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah. 
And, um, but I got to a point, which this career was already done. I was looking for another career, but still I was thinking about going back to those things. And you can't do that if you're talking about this stuff, I thought at that time. Yeah. And finally I had come to the conclusion, it's all true. I'm not liar. I'm not a liar. I'm right. not type person make up stuff. This, the only conclusion to come to was that it is true. And that's all, that's all I could come mm-hmm. to. And so since it's true, I had this fear that when I do die, that for good, that if I didn't tell, God would ask me why, when he mm-hmm. sent me back and I was allowed to raise my sons, why didn't I tell anybody that was real? Because when I first went through the tunnel, got to the bright white light there for that very first second, I was there. I remember the thought I had before I seen this panel of people, the outline and all that happened. But I first, I thought I was alone. The first thought in the white light was, wow, it's real. All that God and Bible and Jesus stuff, it's real. Not that I seen a mansion and the gold gates and none of that. It was just, I went through wisdom through space. I'm in this white light. I'm, I never heard of white light before. You know, I didn't hear that in church. And so, but I was somewhere and I thought it's real. I thought, and I was talking to God, even though I couldn't see him, just like we pray to God, you know, just that. Putting it out there, yep. I said, God, yep. you need to send people back. You need yeah. to send people back so they can tell what they saw that this is real because right. you know the Bible's getting old and people's not reading it no more and it's outdated and they don't hear them stories. And with me, I read it and I don't understand the word I'm reading. And I was like, God, you need to send people back, send people back so they know this is real. And then I sometimes like I say I have to pinch myself from doing these podcasts. Yeah, look what I'm doing now. Right. We're telling everybody it's real. We're not liars. Okay. I'm sure there's some lying. I'm sure there's some lying. I'm sure there's some that are just wanting attention or they're hoping to get a book deal. They'll be famous. I'm sure there's some, but I am telling you, you and me and a lot of other people I know, we were there and it is real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. Cause you know, that, rational people don't make up stories like this because like like you said you know what it's like being a counselor and, and having your reputation particularly with when you're dealing with other people's mental illnesses you know that's that can be a really damaging thing to have on your record you know and a lot of places don't want to have somebody who has something so speculative you know can't prove it right so and i'm still in that position i've got a, a number of years of work ahead of me and you know i really do want to get back to work and and it's and it, it was a scary thing. And I think that was one of the things that you know the, that the devil tried to keep me from telling the story is you know you'll never work again. You'll never you'll never be able to support your family. And you know finally I was just like I don't, I don't care. This is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. I don't care whether or not people believe me. I don't care whether they do or they don't. It doesn't matter to me. I have to tell this story because I care about it. Right. It's something so fantastic that, you know, and then, of course, I find out how many other people have it. So it's not, you know, as I mean, it's still to me, it's it's the most fantastic thing ever. But, you know, I thought it was, you know, something so I thought I was so special or something. I know. I I know. But it is reassuring when you feel that special. I mean, I know what you mean. You feel like you're so special. And then you find out how many people had them and how, how much better their story is than yours. I mean, better. You know what I mean? And, and so you don't feel so special anymore, but that's okay. Right. Because being so special is kind of weird. 
So no, it's okay. And, and, and you're right. We all are special. Even the people who don't have these experiences, God loves them just as much as he loves us. And that's the whole thing I want people to understand is that God loves us all so much that he's even willing to let us go there and sometimes come back. But trust me, it's even better when you stay there. It's just, it's the most incredible. There's nothing to worry about that this life can prevent. You know, I don't even care what I have to suffer, what I have to go through. I couldn't care less. I, I get to go there and he's going to fill whatever pains I have with joy. <laughs> Bring them on then. I, I'm like, hey, whatever I got to go through, I, it's just going to feel better than when I go there. I had a medium on a while back and um, I, she's like, well, why don't you do this the medium stuff? And I was like, I don't command it. You know, it's spontaneous. What I get, what little bit I get, few and far between. I don't like, okay, I'm going to sit with this person and something's going to come. No, this stuff just comes out of nowhere for me. And so, and I said, also too, um, one time I did do it intentionally. I used a technique that I read in a book. And uh, I said, I feel like these people follow me around after that. And I don't want, you know, spirits follow me around. And I heard in my head so clear as I'm on a podcast, they're already there. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they are. There's spirits here everywhere. We just can't yeah. see them. Right. And when yeah, I drowned I'm, when I'm... I was five, I was a ghost kid. I was running yeah. around the yard playing with kids. They didn't know I was wow. there. I was walking along talking to boys that was carrying fishing pole and a pail. And I was like, huh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? And at first they ignore me. Then the young one was always talking telepathic. Oh, we've been fishing and we're running late. We hurried home. I was like, hmm, okay. You know, and I didn't understand that for the longest time. What in the world? Yeah. What's these memories about? And then when I come to understand this is real and um, that I know now, you know, we can say what it's like to die and go to heaven. Right. And you know, I can tell you what it's like to be a ghost. There's not yeah, many people that can do that. No, yeah, I, I didn't get that experience. So I, I mean, I, that's that's just amazing. You know, but I, kind of I, you I, did that, because you saw things in oh, yeah, going that, on. Yeah. So that yeah, is as a ghost. Back, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think it's it's just it's so bizarre to me to even hear all my my own experience you know when you compare it to like the stories i hear from from other people it's like oh yeah you know i was at the football game or i was at this and i'm like you want me to tell you a story you know <laughs> i got a story for you but but you know i i found that a lot of people don't even want to hear stories like that they either get really afraid and it's i, I think comes sometimes it's because they don't know what they're gonna you know which way they're gonna go and you know but i think it, it also comes down to you know, like even with my heart transplant, I've told people, yeah, I had a heart transplant. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, you know, a lot of people with heart transplants, <laughs> you know, I would ask some questions if somebody told me they had a heart transplant. It just seems kind of interesting to me, but it's kind of amazing how care. many people. A lot of people just don't care. Yeah. Yes. A lot of people just aren't interested in anything, but they love to tell you a million things, you know, about, you know, their, their, whatever, the money that they're going to make on this. Right. This the boat they just bought. Yeah, something like that. And it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't care about that. It, you know, I, so we tend to not have a lot of conversations because, you know, I'm just not into those kinds of things. But I, I am into hearing about you as a person. Tell me about you. But a lot of people don't really know how to do I used that to worry a lot about like losing my house. You know, you always like as a young person, you, know, you buy a house, you yeah. always worry about you can lose your house. 
Well, right. you know, then now, you know, Biden got rid of the pipeline and my husband and I are pipeline. just my new career after counseling and everything. So work with him yeah. on the pipeline so we could travel together. And I started worrying and then it dawned on me. I love this guy. You know, we have a camper. We can live in a camper. We're happy in that camper. Yeah. I don't have to be in this house. This right. is stupid yeah. wood. Right. And and we can lose those things. You know, I, I always was so proud of myself for my physical abilities. You know, I was, was I worked out hard and I really did work hard. I, but that can be gone in a second. You know, may, I made a lot of money on my, my job before I was, before I died. That certainly was gone in a second. You know, it's like all those things that we work so hard to hold on to can be taken at any moment's notice. But if we neglect the things that really matter, like our families and, you know, most importantly, our faith, because that relationship with God, that is the one thing that gives us security throughout life. And we, we really can't neglect that because we will have all those fears and we'll develop into those people who, who have to have all these things in order to find happiness because they, they don't have the one thing that makes them happy. I think I heard you say you were in um, martial arts. Yep. Okay. My uh, oldest son, Matthew, just won third place um, world championship jiu-jitsu in Las Vegas. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Oh, congratulations to him. Yeah. I so pretty my, my sons are just entering their 40s. And so they're still in that age of, you know, accumulating things and degrees and, you know, world yeah. championships and all these yeah. things. And that's yeah. great. Have fun with that. But I know they're going to get, you know, to an age where they're going yep. to be. And I think like you are at, you know, you're a young man too, but it's because your near-death experience, it kind of like catapults yeah. us into that actually, is. it feels like an older soul. Oh, absolutely. That I couldn't agree. You know, all the things that I had, all my medals, trophies, all these things that I had that I thought, you know, I, I used to have this, I love me wall. I, I call it an, I love me wall. I put all these achievements up on a wall just so I could look at all the things I've done. That wall is gone. I couldn't care less about that. I put it all into a little box and now half of it I've thrown away. Those trophies and things, they, they were great at the moment, but they're nothing to me anymore. All they ever did was collect dust. They don't represent anything more about me than just uh, an achievement that I did at one period of time. And really it didn't make me a better person. You know, helping that lady today, that made me a better person yeah. because that carried with me still right now i mean i still feel pretty happy about it and right. you know, it's those are the things that i i'm i'm excited about now if i had an i love me wall it would be those kinds of things and it's yeah. it you're right it's it you, you do develop more of an old soul because you look at things so much differently now and and it's not about the the things that i can get for myself you know other than doing the good and you know and, and I always know that that's what God wanted me to do. He told me to show his love. You know, I was able to do it today. And I just, I think that's a message that, you know, for everybody, pray, suffer whatever you got to suffer joyfully and show love to people. And suffer your joyfully. life will be better. Yeah. Love it. Years ago, I realized that church doesn't fit well for me. And so I told my husband said, from now on, on Sundays, we're just going to go see who we can help. Just let the day take yeah. us where it leads us and see, end up who we can help. And that's just something that just stuck with us. All these. Yeah. All this. Yep. Cause and it see, feels like, good. If you've never right, paid, looked and paid for somebody else's meal, you don't know what it feels right. like. Yeah. You it really don't. I mean, it, 
especially, I mean, you don't know what, you know, what that person's story is or situation, but, you know, you're bound to hit, I mean, there's not a lot of, you know, the, the poorer people in this, in this world are, are far outnumbering the rich people. So you got a really good opportunity to help somebody who probably does need it. And, and anonymous, and do it anonymous, because it feels so good yeah. to sit back and watch them react yeah. and not know who yeah. did it. I know, I know, because <laughs> I, I get my reward from God. So I, you know, I don't need it from anyone else, but, you know, he, he does. It's like, you know, I, I don't even know how it happened, but, you know, they have the little retractable arms to, to let you go through each person after you pay your, your ticket to get out of parking. So after that lady went through, the arm came down and I went up to pay mine and all of a sudden it just went back up. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and I, I was like waiting to, for it to go back down so I could pay. And, and it kept saying, go, go, you know, so like I had already paid. And so uh -huh. I, I couldn't do anything. People were honking. I'm like, I guess God wanted me to have a free one. I, I was just, it's you awesome. know, sometimes, yeah. And, and it doesn't always happen that way, but I kind of felt like, you know, Hey, God's, God's saying, yeah, you did the right thing. You listened to the right, the right thing to do on this one. And, and it was, it was just my pure joy of doing something for love. Yeah. And, and it's easy to say suffer joyfully too, because I remember being in labor for my first son and, um, oh shoot. Um, oh, what shoot. I can't think of comedian's name. Johnny Carson was on laughing. He was on the television laughing while I was in his hospital bed in labor, and I hated him so bad. You can't always suffer bet. joyfully. <laughs> yeah, but you know, isn't that true, though, with, with pregnancy? I think you can really relate to it, is that how joyful are you after that suffering when you're holding your baby? Nothing it's like, like all the, the suffering world. gone. Right, there's nothing. That's what everybody tells me. My wife constantly says that. And, you know, that's how I feel now is like, yeah, you know, God really can turn something that you think is pain and, and just agony into something so wonderful if you let him. And, and you know, that's all we got to do is sometimes get out of our own way and let God take control. And he really does wonderful things. Yes. Yes, he does. We're both here. Yeah, we sure are. Yeah. Well, it has been so great. And I'm going to let you go yeah. so you can get your rest. Okay. Um, all right. So, um, I will probably have this loaded to uh, YouTube by morning and okay. I will send you a link as soon as it's published. All right. Okay. Oh, thank you. And I'm very grateful for the interview. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. All right. Bye.